Blog Talk Radio. I want y'all to see this like film. Seasick on production. Knives on the boat. Lots of fog at night, red brake lights The freeway beside a restaurant, cold egg whites Sat on my plate like 3 a.m. This is a spot frequented by some made men I'm high on hemp, a fly old pimp just walked in His suit was soft skin He woke me up from some of the thoughts I'm lost in What fame does the niggas Change love to bitterness, friends to fiends For the audience, screams ridiculous Jumped up, paid my tab, got in my bins with To my old housing tenement Visit my old friends Some show love and some are envious some got the heart of gold, some venomous. At times I wanna go back to being penniless. Ignorance is bliss, I love being innocent. Uh, but life's got me on the fence again. And all is real, so all worth mentioning. I just pray all the bad boys have the hardness. From my birth to golf clubs, knife hole, the white rose, the life I chose. Bandana over the eye, Dior sandals, car doors rise with no touch in the handles. Capiche, Capri salads on beaches and islands. Far from police sirens, at least for a weekend, then it's back to the streets creeping. I like to make a free toast of champagne on behalf of this nigga speaking. Uh, add a splash to the Seagrams, roll a hash for my world renowned goons this evening. As I circle the table like Babe Ruth, Louisville slugger in my grip for a fake dude. Back to the brain with brute force, splatter my cream a lawsuit. They hit me with lawsuit. I slip in your whore coop, your bitch hates you worth the hate suits. Bet you never knew she too gay and play with a gay crew. OGs hate to make way for the new. Young niggas want polo, ain't fucking with J. Crew. It's safe to say I was once young and innocent, but look what I know now is all worth mentioning. Fellas and mothers with kids, they trying to feed right. The Bottega wearers, modern day Che Guevara's. Cause I barely survive crazy errors. Honest, always make good of my promise. I don't talk it, I do it, you can hold me to it. I was born to this life, I didn't invent it. But I'd be wrong not to take a few meal tickets. You and I are real different. We don't share the same beliefs. Fighting the ring of our ringside seats. Either you like beef or you like to spectate. Give me gloves and I'ma do it how the rest say. We touch and then we come out tussling. The ghetto is my garden of eating. So I keep bobbing and weaving. It's intense, so I'm hardly breathing. KO and the winner is Nas. Nice. That's how the scene is. I just press all the fast Peace, peace, family. This is your host, P. Moore, a.k.a. The Blue Pill. You are now rocking with the best. This is Know the Ledge Radio. Peace. I'm joined by my co-host, Brother Red Pill. Peace. Peace, peace, family. What's going on? Everything is good, man. Everything is good. You know what I'm saying? Very excited about tonight's show. 
Yes, you know, sir. I can honestly say that I've actually been waiting all my life to, uh, you know, build this particular platform to have this show to uh, bring forth not only the master teacher, Phil Valentine, but introduce the world to his body of work, the Book of the Earth, volumes one to four, easily, you know what I'm saying, some of his best work to date. Um, I don't want to waste any time on this, you know what I'm saying, because I definitely see the uh, the callers are coming in, you know what I'm saying, the people are definitely tuning in tonight to hear from the master. Yeah, I want to... I want to give a special shout-out to the family that's tuning in tonight, everybody that, you know, took time out on a Friday evening. Y'all could have be doing, you could be doing anything else, but you know what's right. So you're doing what's, you know what I mean, you're doing what's good, and you're tuning in to a, a powerful night, you know what I mean, where the brother will definitely come and spark everyone's minds. I um, I suggest that people, you know, for, the, for my researchers out there, Get your pen and pads ready because there's going to be a lot of information that will be dropped. Uh, for everyone who wants to archive the show, at the end of the show, you can go to the RSS and uh, pull off the MP3, or you can press the iTunes download. It works on everybody's computer differently. Right, right. Um, with no delay, is the brother possibly calling from the 954-6661 number? I don't know. Find out. Hold on one second. Peace. Call over with the uh, number start with 954-661. You are on air. Peace. Peace. I was just uh, listening because I couldn't get the um, internet connection. So. Oh, okay. Well, no doubt. No doubt. Peace, fam. Thank you. All right. Peace. Give me one second. All right. Could be a three eight six or yes, a three four seven. All right. Give me one second. Call over the number starting with three eight six nine six zero. You are now rocking with the best. No the ledge radio. Peace. <laughs> you finally got me, King. This is Doctor yes, Valentine. All right. Yes, indeed. Peace, 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 peace. How are you all today? How's the family? All is well. All is well. Yeah, Good we doing know. better. Good to, know. Better. Good to know. Good to know. No doubt. Um, without further delay, we're gonna get right into the show because we have that much time, and you know what they do say. Time flies by when you are uh, decoding and breaking atoms. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we let you start the segment off uh, with no further delay. That uh, you were going to get into the segment before you even started, the, uh, you know, what you were going to do. We were going to break down the black news. And I spoke to you earlier, and I said that's always been my favorite segment. You know, to always get your, your take of what's going on in the universe. Well, I don't know about the universe, but, uh, you know, we, we can see about that uh, in the long run as we're working with the show. Uh, as far as what we're getting ready to do and what's getting ready to happen for us, uh, Black News is about what uh, what they've been doing uh, to us 
the, the black man and the black woman are becoming more and more obscured from the national spotlight. And I'm not mm -hmm. sure if everybody's noticing that, especially media. And media being uh, the media, which is the, you know, the, uh, the goddess of hypnotism and hypnotic spells, uh, the media is essentially uh, hypnotized everyone to not see that we have regressed since 1960s, 70s, when we were into our upward stage of movement and, and in the spotlight more. Uh, I'm wondering if we're looking at the digression of that, where you are looking at the paling out. And it came out so evident over the last few days that even Vanity Fair was criticized. Uh, they had a spread on the Vanity Fair where... They talked about all the up-and-coming stars in the new Hollywood paradigm wasn't a black person in there. All these white Europeans, I'm talking Nordic whites, yes. and they were stretched across the page. And even the whites who were essentially the, the, uh, the, the media themselves said, wait a minute, no diversity, nothing, just these white people? Well, that's not anything new. If you look at what has been happening to television, especially when they give you a prognostication of the future through future programming like sci-fi mm -hmm. TV, no mm -hmm. blacks. And if you go everywhere in the universe, even stepping through time, all you're going to meet up is with is white people. Same with Star Trek, same with everything. Ain't nothing but white people all around. And that paradigm is being pushed more and more now since we have been more and more quiet. Black people should be comfortable, and that's the psychology, because we got a black president. And white people will always use that as the litmus for our advancement. And we're watching at the same time that we're supposedly spinning into a new universe of power and equality. We're watching a retrograde spin of the common black and white, uh, man and woman into this place of obscurity, this place of non-existence. And uh, fewer and fewer peoples of color are being represented in all prognostications and projections of the future, which is very dangerous because people will become very comfortable with no black people in that future. Uh, Avatar was another way of trying to get us to become more sensitized to that, but the people were blue, so everybody could lose themselves in the imagining of that. I mean, not everyone is a metaphysical thinker, but they can pick up on political things. And uh, white people are living now in this very uh, comfortable zone where they're not looking at this tri-pronged attack to destroy peoples of color around the world. So what do you do so that you desensitize whites from actually empathizing with a whole other battlefront? What you do is you get them worried about themselves by cracking down on their monies. You see, you take money from white folks, that's when you get their attention. You could take mm -hmm. anything else you want from them. But when you start taking and messing with their money, you get them away from anything. They could be over there as Mother Teresa. They'll drop that veil and come running after that bank, you know, that bank account. So what we're looking at is the systematic phasing out of black reality in America. And the only place that they actually confining it to now is the sports page. So now what you're looking at, all the, all the places that you see black people, intellectual black people, I'm talking about Harvard grads like this dude, um, James Brown, 
uh, in uh, in the, in the Showtime thing where they do the football, and him and uh, what's his name Warren Sapp they get together. This guy's a Harvard grad, and he's running a football uh, show. Uh, you look at all of the basketball, nothing but black people, and that's the place. That's the place where you see most black people collectively put together. Well, guess what, family? Black News says that there is a serious push by white America to get a white basketball league now because yeah. most of white America is supposedly sick and tired of the total monopolization of sports by black people. So now they were pushing for a white basketball league to circumvent that, and they did a poll, and they were talking about all the people that said that they would definitely be down with that. Of course, there were people who were saying it won't work because of what would happen, but they're pushing for that. So the only reason that they could actually move to do these things is because they believe, white America believes, that we don't have any more uh, to achieve, and there's nobody in the, the greater majority of us, the leadership, supposedly the Sharptons and everyone, that's pushing the agenda to legitimize black people for the new century. We legitimized ourselves back in the days of the 60s towards the end of the, the, the century, and it seems like we blew up like a firecracker and then we're fading out as the century begins to mature. So we don't have a place there. We're either assimilated or we're completely eliminated. And that's where we have. There's no identity anymore. We are only seeing white values being um, interfaced and transfused into the bloodstream of the new consciousness, and we think that's the new age. On top of that, it's interesting because the dude who, who calls himself Sorsha Fall, a dude named David Booth, he got some heavy information uh, representative about what's going on. They hate him. They tell him that he's a, you know, he's a conspiratorial, he talks a lot about stuff that is just good for entertainment but nothing else. But he dropped something that's very interesting, something that I was going to drop um at the um at the next uh at my next lecture, but uh it's good that it came at this time uh so we could speak on it. But it's interesting he said something about the fact that <clears throat> the government is only going to get back about a hundred and fifty $160 billion out of the $23 trillion that was taken from our treasury. And, of course, we know that the, uh, the Federal Reserve is a private organization of these bankers that has actually had their, their claws in the American economy since 1913, going into 1933 when they started kicking in from that in that particular stretch of time when there was a coup d'etat and they took over the United States government. So what happens now is that we find, based upon Booth's um, information, that the charter that was supposed to have been renewed with the Federal Reserve is no longer going to be renewed because the charter is up, guess when? December 21st. 2012, right. Mm -hmm. So December 21st, 2012, the United States uh, federal government, who was under the Federal Reserve, is no longer going to be under the Federal Reserve because they're not renewing their charter with the United States of America. They've already taken back all the interest on the dollars that they gave to us, the private money, 
and they're giving us $156 billion for our labor, which essentially comes out to be like $10 per man from since 1933. And they're taking the $23 trillion, which is essentially what we were used for using their money. That's the money that we had to pay to them for the privilege of using their money. So now after 2012, we are either going to be going up under the European system, which is the new Federal Reserve, the new global Federal Reserve, <clears throat> under the euro, which is now worth more than us, and the, the yen now has become almost at par with the dollar, even greater than the dollar. It means that <clears throat> the so-called new world order <clears throat> will be structured at that particular juncture, right when we enter into the vortex. They're going to drop what they did for the old ways, and get this now, China is telling all their citizens to buy gold. But did you hear that on the news over here? No. Absolutely not. So what we're looking at right now is a formulation for people to put a toehold, to get their stronghold on the new paradigm, and to make sure that we as peoples of color, <clears throat> we as people of color not only here in the Americas but over in Africa, fade into obscurity or completely get a news blackout or whiteout so that we don't see that the blackout, the real blackout, which is the black genocide, is going to start taking place very soon. Interesting, interesting. Definitely. Um, with all of these things going on, and um, a lot of people that are part of the conscious community sounding the call that it's time to come out of her, the proverbial statement that was made by, I believe, Elijah Muhammad. Do you feel like this is definitely time to warrant, I'm not, and I don't mean a global movement, and I don't mean a nationwide movement, I just mean a movement of like-minded individuals to begin looking for, you know, solutions and alternatives to disconnect themselves from this system as we see it basically fold in on itself? Most definitely. Consciously speaking, we won't have the Internet much longer because they are moving right now to get you to pay for it. <clears throat> it's the same way. A license, um, I believe. Yeah, you're going to have to have a license. So as it, it, that's how they set you up. You know, They set you up in the beginning as he spoke about it, that there was a new medium back in the 20s, I believe, where they were telling you that uh, radio... Uh, gave you an interface with the people, and they used to tell you what was going on. And when radio and television hit the spot running, it stopped people from gathering together. When you didn't have radio, you wanted to get out on the street and find out what was going on. Mm -hmm. Well, now everybody is being given this information, and what's happened, we've become so comfortable and comfortably numb with getting our information from the television and from the computer that we don't want to leave our seat. We want to have a vicarious revolution. So what they get, it, that's it. They want to feel what happens over the over the YouTube or the YouTube. And what's happening is we're looking into screens the same way that the dude from 2012 told us we would be doing back in 1930s. When they gave us the radio, we had information that they gave to us to let us know where to gather so that we can wreak havoc on the government and make sure they're doing the right thing. As soon as television came in, we didn't need to be down there to get the experience. They gave the experience to us so that we didn't have to move from there. So now we don't have anybody moving towards getting a, a place 
or, or going to the space where we wanted to, uh, to, to, you know, to bring the fever to them, they'll bring the fever to us, and we can have a private fever party, uh, uh, you know, in cyberspace. So now that they thought you thought it was free to listen to your radio, no, now they're going to serious. You thought it was going to be free to you to look at your TV, now they went cable, and they made you pay for it. You thought it's free now to do your internet, boom, they're getting ready to get you to pay for that. And then when you don't pay for it, they'll shut you down. So now we're getting ready to be completely locked out now that we've put all of our attention in there. Now that we've become so indolent that we've forgotten what revolution really means. It means fielding the foot soldiers. It means getting out on the streets. It means going into these incubators so that we could study and understand how it is we can strategize. It means using the church as a point of strategy. No longer will we do that. We don't use the church to do that because now we can bring the church to you. You go to church to sing and dance and to get a vicarious feeling of God, and then you go home, you know that you touch Jesus. What else do you really need? I already talked to God. I've been to church. So now the, 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 the mind freak is how do we get people out of that secondhand experience? How do we get people out of the addiction to secondhand experience and be ready to field bodies in the streets or we're ready to shut down and get a real experience without all of the intrusion that comes in with the computer and the TV. You don't know what a real experience is with your, with your family anymore. If you was to shut down the TV, the radio, get rid of all the sounds, the music, take out all your iPods, get rid of all your DVDs and all of your, your video games, and you just sit and look and talk to one another inside your room right now, you'd freak out. You wouldn't know what to do because you are so distracted by, by secondhand, vicarious experiences that you are drugged for the next rush. You're drugged for that. You don't know what it is to converse, to talk to one another, to, 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 to harmonize with one another, to plan and strategize with one another. And they're constantly putting people into your community to get you starting up into, uh, 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 what's this, uh, debating this and debating that. You ain't got no time for debating. Either you know what time it is or you don't. Either you understand what we have to do now or you don't. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, yes, the times that we're in right now, family, it is about us shutting down the hypnotic trance that we have been in. If you could shut down your TV, shut down your computer, shut down for at least an hour just to talk to your family, reason and build with them on that level, one-to-one, -one, blood to blood, you see the difference. Once you learn how to communicate with one another, the organic experience is something far greater than the vicarious one, but because the vicarious one is immediate, it hits you like fast food. You get the quick rush, you think you're full, you think you've been given nutrition. Mm -hmm. But you ain't been given nothing because you're empty, and you got to find it inside of cyberspace. So you got to think twice about using that tool. It's a tool, but you've made it your syringe, and you've made it your needle, and you've made it your crack and your pipe. you got to come out of her. And when you talk about coming out of her, it wasn't actually uh, uh, Muhammad who said that. It was actually the Bible spoke about Babylon coming out of her, mm -hmm. the great whore. Revelations, and um, I, you know, I find it funny that even with a situation like Haiti unfolding, you know, people 
were just glued to their screens. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty much getting the instructions from their screens, just like you said, just as it would be predicted in the movies like 1984. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where not only do, you know, they create the problem, but they present the solution, you know, with... The alien. With, the yeah, alien dialectic. Yeah, the alien dialectic, you know, mm-hmm. with all the stuff in the cut. So, you know, they've effectively shown that they have totally stripped down a person's natural ability to respond in a way in which he wasn't instructed to because exactly. nobody pretty much did anything that was off the cuff. I gave him exactly. $5 to LA. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that was it. Uh, you know, let me let me get yeah. back to the TV and see my donations work. Right. It's almost like right. a video game. And you see, that's the difference. We were over here, uh, Dr. Lalani and I have been over the last, I would say, week and a half, two weeks, pushing to get some more shipment over to Haiti. And we're about to, you know, we've been talking. We've got Jet, Jet Blue now, you know, getting ready to get on board. And we got uh, one of our liaisons from Earth Outreach to go down, and we're waiting for a go-ahead from a brother who's one of my students, uh, one of Dr. Nani's students who works for um, JetBlue, who's going to have give us a pass so we could take all. We got something like 33 boxes, 35. We got about maybe 39, 36 boxes now of medical supplies that we've been gathering from hospitals to get ready to send down there. And we're getting ready now to ship it in cargo. But we need, like I said, we need firsthand help. We need to, we're trying, we're putting our hands there. We're getting our hands dirty. We're trying to do something, getting up to put our hands into it. And we won't know that until we get hit with the shock. And, that, and that's the thing about us. We don't see, you don't see the greatness in us until something challenges us. And they've been keeping our challenges from us. You see, we have not been challenging them so that we could be challenged, so that we could find our greatness. And that they found a way to pacify us so that we whimper away rather than go out in a bang. We would go out in a, in a drizzle, in a fizzle. And that's exactly what the black movement has is happened to the black movement, or at least the movement of consciousness for black consciousness. It's fizzling. It's sizzling away, or any time it becomes... Are relevant because now we're becoming more conscious and we're beginning to know more scientifically who we are. Now they have to get in, as I had predicted, and have us fighting with one another. And that's where the game begins to start getting interesting when you know how, how you're affecting things because they have to send in agent provocateurs to start us fighting with one another. That's because we're getting ready to show the world we're really... Uh, affecting the world at a very substantive level. The only thing is we don't know how to mobilize with the new energy that we found within ourselves. And that's the next stage of this. That's what's missing, the mobilization towards that. And since they have taken all our monies, remember that $56 trillion or whatever it is that they gave away to the bankers, that was our nest egg for building a foundation for the kind of tomorrow that would get us off this treadmill to death and destruction and, 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 and genocide and, and, and complete annihilation. You see, that's the other tomorrow that I was speaking about. 
they took away the ability for the American people to give to that tomorrow, to nest egg it, to till the soil, to have the proper implements, to grow the seed that we want to plant for that other tomorrow. They took that from us. So now we're scrambling just trying to pay the rent, stuck in the old paradigm, stuck where we thought we would not be tomorrow. That's exactly what they want. They know what time it is because they've already built the tomorrow they want to keep us in lockdown. It's already there in place. We don't have anything to counter that yet except the knowledge of what we have to do. The next thing is implementation. Right. Um, you know, to touch on the touch on the, uh, the point about the Internet and the importance of getting back to, you know, that which actually brought us here, you know what I'm saying, it's imperative, and it showed you in the book of Eli to remain, you know, hold on to those books. You know what I'm saying? The Internet is one thing, but these books still contain the vital information that we're going to need in order to entrain ourselves through our own, you know, sense of, of, of reading as to what we can use that's going to be an original method you know what I'm saying, something off the cuff, something that's not expected. And, you know, you have to read. you got to crack them books open and let that spirit of Tehuti talk to you. You know what I'm saying? Everybody might get different assignments, but you have to at least be able to put your head in them books and read and internalize this information and come up with something unique. Oh, by all means. By all means. The thing about Eli is that... Um, we have to remember that there, you know, there's more of a, uh, you know, of the apocalyptic. I think we were talking about this off, off, uh, off script, and uh, we were speaking about how uh, we have been given a trend for how we want to be entrained. Everything is based on apocalyptic scenarios where. The old is dying and the new is coming in, and that don't don't figure yourself into tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right. See, don't don't project yourself into tomorrow because it's not there, and they're not leading promise. us to that place exactly. They want to scare people out of existence, and mm-hmm. you know the fear factor been started. So we're looking at a repetitive cycle of fear that began with nine eleven when you so eloquently brought forth the Book of Earths and was talking about how they cracked the cosmic egg and the the essence that seeped out of that particular egg, you know what I'm saying, created a vacuum of which they filled with fear. Right. So I just see this as a continuation of the program that was started on that particular date. You know, mm-hmm. the 11-year pocket that exists between 2001 in 2012, they're dealing with shock and awe. That's right. And if they can scare somebody out of projecting themselves into the future, then they've just saved themselves some change on the bullet. That's so right. That, that particular thing is not going to stop. But what I really want to get at is that our, our teachers, our master teachers such as yourself, came forth early in the game and presented necessary tools and instructions that are applicable right now. So as we have this new family that has joined us in the quote-unquote conscious community, I just want to deal with those particular 
solutions and the preparations that we have already been doing and already been into, that a situation like this shouldn't be able to catch us off guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, we've been putting down a few things. We've been telling people about a few things. We we warned people back in 2005 about Obama, who he really was. That just fizzled. Um, you know, I I was out there kind of titillating people with the scenario about him and Mont- Malcolm X, but there's so many other scenarios, as I said, that would be involved in that. I tried to let everybody know what the, the who the true God on earth really was and what their scenario has been. I had one out a long time ago called um, The uh, Aristocracy of Evil, where I spoke about the Vatican and its connection to all of the secret societies and all of the, the, the black organizations that were put up. I also spoke, I was there uh, right after 9-11. In fact, I had flown in from Denver on September the 10th, 2001, and was awoken by, awakened by my friend uh, to show to show me what was happening on that 9-11. And at the time we were watching this thing in real time, I said, this is all staged, man. What we're watching here is, a, uh, is an attack by the United States government uh, or the so-called pseudo-government against the peoples of the United States, and this is the psyche attack. And when the second plane hit, when the second plane hit, I said, "That's it." I said, "They are playing on the psyche of the American people." And right after that, we sat down for a minute, we talked, and then I went right into researching. In fact, on November, we set up a time for me to talk. December 2001, and it was in December of 2001 that I broke down everything that everybody in the new 9/11 Commission and you know, find out everything they came out with. We spoke about then there at the um, National Black Theater uh, to a to a nice crowd, and I showed them because we took film. I was given this film by a sister named Karen, I think her name Hutchison. She gave she taped for me the Spanish channels where all of the information was being told uncut. Yes, so it wasn't yes yes right. We didn't get any of that. We were getting imported film from foreign um, photographers who were watching the people dropping and hitting and exploding on the concrete. We saw the buildings and the charges going off, and at that time right there, December 2005, I said that was an implosion. We were watching a demolition, and we were showing the explosions going off as the building was going down. We also introduced the fact that it was a global hawk technology at that time that went into that building, that it was a remote control, that the people themselves were already dead, and that flight itself, all the people were assassinated. Now, here we are, 10 years later, or whatever it is, and that information, nobody can find that information. Nobody even knows that information. We did that information there. That, that two months after that, blew the whole thing open, knew exactly who it was, everything about it. Of course, there were other pieces of information that began to show what was happening, after that, to, to dovetail from that, but we did that as well. And there are a number of other things that we were doing, we were putting out there that a lot of people weren't really picking up on. And now that everybody's on YouTube coming back with the old information as if it's new, it's good. I'm glad people are getting it, but they got it back then. It was mm-hmm. there for them to have back then. And it's now that, that, that they don't know where it came from, of course. I'm not trying to blow any bubbles saying you should pay attention to me. But the fact of the matter is pay attention to the fact that the message was already out there to prepare for what's getting ready to come. 
It's nothing right. new, you see. So, you know, that's why I'm very, very reluctant nowadays to go out to even lecture because it becomes a thing where whether or not what I'm saying is going to be used and then converted into action instead of people just sitting around and getting masturbated, getting their third eye or their first eye masturbated by looking at my videos and looking for something that they could talk about to somebody to see, show them how smart they are. That's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. See, it's not about that. It's about me putting the information out to start you on the road to get off the treadmill of this tomorrow and get into another tomorrow, the one that is not headed where this uh, this this destructive machinery called Western civilization is headed. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, not only did you come in and drop it on the quote-unquote technical side of things, you know what I'm saying, but you also in your earlier lecture spoke of the esoteric elements of Iraq and you broke down, you know what I'm saying, the the the, the aspect of it meaning spirit of Scorpio. I remember mm -hmm. that lecture very clearly. Yeah. And you also brought the attention to the fact that, you know, there's a Stargate in in Iraq as well. Now I bring mm -hmm. that up to say there's been information that has surfaced about a Stargate opening in Yemen. We know that there's a Stargate in Afghanistan. Everywhere that there's Stargates at, we're seeing them engage themselves in these particular conflicts. Pakistan is a Stargate. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So there's also what we see on the surface. Then we all, you know, we know that there's things that are going on behind the scenes or behind the surface. A war that's being fought on many levels and many planes or what we're witnessing. Um, do you have any further information about those connections that you might want to build on? Well, they're, they're, we're dealing with a, an, a, a terrestrial synapsis, a linkage, a, a network of uh, what we call gates or power gates. Uh, for this term, we could use stargates. But uh, over here in the Americas, there are two of them that have so far been identified. And that's in Mesoamerica, which is in Middle America, and down there by the, the southern tip by Brazil and somewhere towards the, the western part of uh, the South American continent. Then there's one down that's opening up at the poles. And all of these gates are essentially going to be aligned once we come back into uh, the, uh, the, the carousel, once we start dipping into the southern quadrant. Because imagine us on this carousel of light, that is surrounding the central sun, going around the central sun of Alcyon. I don't know if you remember a lecture I did where I showed the perspective of the earth to our sun, and then I showed the perspective of the sun to the other sun that our sun, sun is yeah. influenced at, mm -hmm. and it went all the way up to Alcyon, and you see Alcyon looked like a baseball, I mean a basketball, and our sun looked like a grain of sand. Yeah, I remember that. You were showing right. it in, in correlation to the size of Earth, to Jupiter, and the Sun. Right, exactly. And yeah. the scale to the, the gravitational scale of our central star, which is which has the whole consciousness programming for all the universes that are cycling around us, around it, in that what I call carousel of light, 
Well, at this particular time, we are moving in a kind of serpentine fashion. Our our solar system is moving in a serpentine fashion, and as a result, we are being pulled by our sun in a serpentine fashion. And at the time we reach 2012, uh, the, we will reach the arc or the or the uh, the ellipsis of the carousel itself, and where we are floating on the top part of the carousel, we will then go into a void and end up in the southern hemisphere of the uh, of the carousel. Mm-hmm. And it is the passage through that dark void that's going to start changing the molecular uh, uh, structure of the human body and how perception will be then valued, evaluated, what will be the evaluation, um, the, the, the properties of evaluation for the brain today. How will the synaptic linkages and all of the neuronal fibers, how will they then now redirect or be redirected as a result of our dip into the southern hemisphere of the light carousel? That's going to take a whole other meaning to reality, which is why I started off chapter one to my book, the the the, the Cosmic Codex, is reality check, because from this point on, what is reality is only based upon the language that the European has been giving to us to evaluate reality. From this point on, we have to seriously um, uh, examine how we talk and what we look at as reality, what's being framed for us to digest as reality, what are we being fed as the pablum, what are we being nursed at the breast of to become later on. And it all is in the words. It's in the structure of how we are being taught to perceive reality. So that's where we have to first question why we are going in the way we're going, why the world is is going through what it's going through, and whose mindset and perception of reality are we using to evaluate tomorrow? What is tomorrow's time? And how do we know what we are doing, what it is that our brain is actually giving us as information, what filter is being used to, uh, from, uh, that's been placed between us and our experiences to give us our perceptions of reality? Right. Can I... Um add on by saying that um, the filter that I use nowadays, that's why, you know, I'm so indebted to all of the master teachers who have come along, you know, that's basically the the filter that I, I, I'm able to use is the information and the knowledge that I've been prepared by, you know, getting into the knowledge. Other than that, you know, I, I don't know what would be the filter you know what I'm saying? So I definitely concur with what you're saying, that uh, the majority of us out there have no way of deciphering what it is that we're, that we're intaking through our senses. We you have know? to be very wary about the New Agers. You see, again, the New Agers that are coming up defining what they say is reality, telling us all about these people that live on other star systems and all giving us all these little variables about who they who they talk to and who is mm-hmm. who is talking to these white people that's putting this information into the circulation. What is being dropped into the water to make us believe what these white people are telling us about the reality that we're getting ready to come into? 
who is predisposing us to see reality the way they want us to see reality through the books that is now being given to us right. to see as reality. We have to question all of that. Because if they want us distracted by a reality that they want us to digest, what is it about when we turn inward to find out who we are that they don't want us to know about? Exactly. Um, I, I, I want to be very, you know, I want to let the people know to be very leery of Jordan Maxwell and the gang. You know what I'm saying? And also people in the chat room were speaking about David Icke. Now, what I must say is that September 10th, 2001, I had my personal experience. You know what I'm saying? I was reading one of the Ike books, and he did call it out. He said they're going to blow the World Trade Center up, and they're going to blame it on a man he, Osama bin Laden. So when I woke well, up. Who is he then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to think about who he is. When I woke up that morning and it went down, I said, let me see how long it takes. It took 20 minutes. CBS called it first. You know what I'm saying? Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, as we've gone on and we know that Osama bin Laden is a CIA operative named Tim Osman and Al-Qaeda is a CIA database. That's right. And then I saw David Icke then. So, yeah, Yeah. I'm like, who the hell is David Icke? That's right. We already know who Jordan Maxwell is. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? In terms of being partial to that particular paradigm. You know, uh, and none of those told people, you who Alex Jones was. Exactly. And none of those people see us in their paradigm. They may uh, want to we have help. Yeah, they don't ever. <laughs> yeah, they never really include us into anything. The only person that they got to see, he got all of his information from um, Credo. See, Credo been keeping something going on for a long time through his legacy down there, whatever that is with the Zulu people, as him as being a shaman. Now, whatever it is that they took as pieces of whatever it is that they do and whatever they truly do know about visitors to this planet, they're not going to let you know directly. But every one of them, you got to notice, every one of these people who talk about people coming from other planets that had a more superior technology, that were more superior in everything that they did, always had these white people coming down to the people of Earth, interfacing with the people that they had created down here to create a super race. I'm trying to find out why it is that they never left any kind of indication other than after they came back as white people. They never left any indication on any of the stone monuments, (laughs) nothing about their particular presence. And I would think if you were ready to rule and talk about how bad you were, that you would want to, why would you want to be secret? What's the purpose of being secret if you were the rulers? But all of these pieces of the information to mask and give us all this, this devil is working his wickedness behind the scenes. He is playing us by trying to invade the space that we would have created, the same way that they did with a thousand seasons, two thousand seasons. We created our reality based upon how we projected of ourselves from inside. But we're creating our reality now from the outside. We don't even have a chance to interface with the database and the mainframe that our ancestors left in the 22-strand DNA that we have. See? We have the 22-strand DNA. They only have six. And the last time they checked, the only thing else that has six 
with chimpanzees. Would it would it be um to our benefit if we were to begin to travel the world, especially the brothers who are into the knowledge the way that we are right now, to begin waking up this DNA? Well, the DNA is going to be awakened after the thought structure changes. The DNA is simply just holding the pattern in place based on the conditioning of the mind. And the language is what and, and language is then holding the perception of reality in place. Remember, language is the glue that solidifies the reality that you're functioning in. You give a person the language to describe their reality and that becomes the reality. The definition of reality becomes the reality. That's going to be my next lecture. My next lecture is going to be on law, the metaphysics of law, and what law really is. Because a lot of the Moors are not telling it from the perspective of the metaphysical. They're speaking, yes, and they're bringing us around the navigation points and so forth. But law has a much more gossamer, a lot more subtleties to it and what it really means. Law is essentially a containment unit. It is a unit and a, const a construct for containment. It is the containment of a specific energy dynamic, and within that specific dynamic is what regiments uh, uh, all movement, all life, all forms of, uh, of, um, of predictability. In other words, law is the way you structure predictability of behavior. And we don't make our laws. Our laws are imposed, you see. So we don't know what law is. We don't know where it originates from. What is universal law? Starting at that point, you begin to understand that law is nothing more than the, ex the exteriorization or the expression of invisible intention. The invisible intention sets itself up as law in the, in the, in the um, how do I say that so that we, the family can understand? Law becomes the one thing, which is God. But principles are those things that emanate from law. They're not separate or things, like a principle being something you could tangibly touch, but they're just modes of operation for the divine intention to express itself. Now, when you understand that, you understand as you go lower down the scale how we are regimented through principles and laws. And those of us in the Moorish community who deal with uh, the Wasachar, the uh, deal with Morris um, Science Temple and so forth, they're coming into this thing now where we're looking at patriarchy versus matriarchy. And they're saying that the patriarchy has been ruling, and now we need to bring the matriarchy in. Well, how do you deal with Ma'at? Ma'at is the balance of the wings. Ma'at is the law, and they show you a feminine principle, but they show you the law with the wings, which is the masculine principle, which is the spiritual principle. The spiritual principle is invisible. The only reason we see the mother as the one who is the lawmaker, she is the law dispenser. It's because matter is where the intention of the invisible comes out as the principles of law. But it isn't she giving the law. She is simply dispensing the intention that came from the father principle. And the two work together. But as I said, most of the civilizations that were either on the downfall or that were essentially very young in their mentality 
look at the mother as God. Just like you look at a baby who looks at mother as God because that's who she is to the baby. Mm-hmm. Well, anybody who starts pulling on God as mother has a very infantile perspective of the totality of what is. Because God the Father had to make her a mother for her to have become a mother. And the dispenser of the Father's will is showing on her lap as she nurses the son. So to say that you are ruled by a mother principle is ridiculous. Isis is the veil that you must lift in order to see the Father. And it is she that gives you access to the Father, which is the invisible, which is masculine. The feminine is always something that we see, touch, taste, sample. So law will always manifest through the manifestation of matter. We will see it in the law of cycles. All of that is matter in action. But it is what is behind matter that is the true law, the dispenser of the law. I mean, not the dispenser, but the original intention that became law. So in the metaphysics of law, we are not looking at what law really is so we can balance the masculine and the feminine. We're too busy over here with this feminist nonsense saying that we've been dealing in a patriarchy. Well, I have a news for those brothers and sisters. We are in a, a, a methodical, malefic matriarchy right now. The only problem is those who are dispensing the will are reversed. The polarity is reversed. We have a matriarchal mindset in the mind of the men. I wouldn't want to call them that. But in the mind of the men dispensing the laws today. And the ones who are enforcing it are the men. So it looks like there's a patriarchy, but it is not. It's a matriarchal mindset being enforced by patriarchal aggression. The, the quote-unquote lawgivers have on black skirts. Well, this is, I, I'll just say to the people and brothers, this is, no, this is no animosity towards anyone. The problem is that we are not looking at this thing in ma'at. We are too busy going in different directions. We're going from one polarity to the next, and we have not found the common ground. The masculine is always the invisible. The feminine is always the visible. So therefore, you cannot look at the visible and think you know what's going on. You have to understand the laws that are behind that. So laws, again, are all instruments of containment to contain your behavior, to control it, to redirect Mm -hmm. it. So if you're going into a matriarchal mindset, you're going back into the womb, which is another form of containment. So you have to understand, are we ready to go back into a form of containment? Because that's exactly what they're getting ready to put us in. This whole society has been taking away your ability to be individual. It's been taking away your ability to be able to think and reason. That they want you to feel good about yourself. That's good. But they don't want you to think. They don't want you to reason. They don't want you to exercise an individual impetus for intelligence. That means they don't want you to think to start acting on the, the masculine principle, which is to plan for the future, which is to see the insight, which is to solve problems. When they take that away from a society, you have a hive. And who runs a hive? Queen B. Okay? So we don't want hives. So those pushing the feminine matriarchy is pushing hives. And I will never, ever submit to a hive mentality. 
I will deal with the balance of the masculine and feminine principle. And I will see that anyone who does not, I will definitely avoid. But I will not promote what I know to be an imbalance. And the masculine principle is being uh, undervalued because of how this creature has been expressing himself, who's not really even a man. We don't even know what manhood looks like. And those who show it to us, they kill. So let us start balancing this thing. We don't know what manhood or a society that has a masculine and feminine balance looks like. We saw a few of it in ancient Kemet, ancient Kush, and so forth. Right. But when we start pushing it out as if we have to get back to a matriarchal line, that angers me. It angers me because people are being short-sighted. It even angers me when people now that they start talking about IWAS is going to be on February 12th. This guy, uh, IWAS, said that they did a DNA on King Tut. And they're going to make an announcement that King Tut might be a woman. Oh, that that sent up smoke flares. I mean, there were explosions all over the place. We told you so. Told me what? So what? Hatshepsut was a woman. And she ruled. But who did she rule? Why did she rule? She ruled because of the political circumstances. And who taught her to rule? They never told you who taught Hatshepsut, but they told you Hatshepsut was a great queen, but they never told you her father taught her. So let's get it straight. There's a balance. The masculine principle has always been the lead. The feminine principle was established after the masculine principle set down the line, the bloodline, for the hierarchy. If it came down that he had only daughters, and that's all who ascended the throne, then they ascended the throne. But then they gave it back up to the king or whoever it was that was to come and assume that after the legacy was established. But it is always established by the king. The king or the masculine principle seeds the feminine before anything gets done. And for me to be told that somehow the so-called uh, great heavens, the feminine heavens created masculinity as if some kind of perchance this is ridiculous this is this is schlock to diminish the masculine principle to be in an afterthought for the woman that's that same feminist nonsense that has been permeated into our people we got to get out of that anyway i'm sorry i kind of ranted off to the, to the side and uh and get back onto it I'm, i mean it really angered me when i started seeing the kind of little minds playing into that feminist one-upsmanship, women who want to be men. Right. There's enough we of that. a lot of that these days. Big time. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of uh, people buying into that type of feminism and the, the kind of nonsense that tells me, and, and again, those brothers and sisters don't read their history. It isn't until the ascendancy of the, of the matriarchy that we begin to see the downfall of a civilization. The rise of the woman coming out of the home and getting into politics is the end of the civilization. Why do you think they talk about the age of Kali being the age of destruction? Why do you think the age of Sekhmet is always the age of destruction or the ending of an age? Well, she brings in the ending of an age because she was the one must he seed 
the beginning as well as the end. So to tell me we must ascend and take over and, and, and bring a matriarchy in in order to balance things, that's when everything begins to start coming down. That's why they call it the age of Kali. Why do you think they made it a feminine principle? Anyway, next question, beloved. All right. I want to um, start building a little bit on the comedic mystery system, the sciences, the high sciences that many of us are into these days. So I want to get right into it, and I want to talk about the science of death and then the aspect of transformation. Can you build upon that? Well, the science of death, death is transition, as you said. Uh, the, the secret is to the shaman. Uh, life is actually preparation for death. And mm -hmm. when you go into the deeper mystery schools, it is to prepare you for a good death. Because at that point where you make the transition out of the body, you are or you have been tattooed or you have been marked by all of your experiences. Everything about you in the body, your body consciousness, still has a kind of effect on the etheric body. And the, the, the shamanic synchronicity, as we teach in our school, shamanic synchronicity, the shamanic synchronicity of death, is to prepare the soul for its, uh, its proper, um, how do I say it, uh, not, to, not to give the greatest importance to the physical body, not to place the attention so deeply into the physical body that there is a difficulty in leaving the body and thus a magnetic attraction to the physical body and to the physical earth. You must... Uh, Befriend death early. A lot of people like to do that sometimes. They don't understand that people who have, who have um, very addictive uh, natures into crack, uh, people who live dangerously and want to jump off cliffs, and people who are doing these things, they are essentially getting into a relationship with death, but they're not befriending it. Or oh, our brothers and sisters in the street life. Mm-hmm. Many of those that live on the edge. Exactly. They tend to have, they tend to have a certain uh, relationship and um, overstanding of life that the average, you know, nine-to-fiver does not have. Exactly. And that type of relationship that they get with life and with death, uh, they, they, they live on that edge, but they don't, they don't uh, use that type of that, uh, of that relationship to the betterment of that which surrounds them. They use it to the destruction of that which is surrounding them. And what they do is, using that same uh, relationship that they're developing with death, they entrench themselves even more into materialism, into, even more into self-egotism. There are ways that the shamans used to set up rites of passage for us to befriend death. But it was not on the outer physical realm that we were initiated. It was in the inner realm, through the peyote, 
through different ways for them to say certain chants while you were on the psychotropic drugs that opened up doorways to entities and situations that your mind would be exercising with and you'd be going through these things while they guided you through these, uh, to this relationship that you had with death and brought you back into the body with that experience. Same thing they did in ancient Kemet. When you went into the deep halls before you, when you were being initiated into the higher temples, they would give you a product that would put you into death. The same thing they used with Vodou in uh, Haiti. Back when they started, the CIA began using that same, uh, that same herb that would put you into the zombie state. Well, they would put you into a death state, and you and the, higher, the, uh, the, the high priest would be hovering over your body, and he would then initiate you at that realm while you were in that state, and he would tell you about your body and who you really are and prepare you that when you got back in the body that this body is only temporary and that the body does not have the same type of sensitivity that the spirit would have and that you would now use the body to try to enhance its contact with the spirit and try to phase both worlds together so that you could be a miracle worker like the one they said that Jesus Christ was. Initiated, of course, supposedly, his name Apollonius Tiana, being initiated in, in ancient, in ancient uh, the Hindus Valley when he came back and wrote Book of the Seven, uh, the Book of Revelations, which essentially was the book called uh, The Initiation of Anointed Aesus, which then became, after the Catholics got it, the Book of the Apocalypse. And then after, mm -hmm. after um, Shakespeare got it, uh, Francis Bacon, he turned it into the Book of Revelations, which was added to the Bible back in the late, uh, late 1800s, 18, early 1800s, late, late 1700s, early 1800s. Uh, 18th century, I'm sorry. Uh, late 17th century, early uh, 18th century. That's when they put the book of Revelation. That's why it's so up to date. That's why they're talking about putting chips in your head and all of that, because it was just entered into the book. Mm -hmm. You see. Mm -hmm. So these are, this, is the, this is what we, are, we, we haven't been doing to our young men and young women. We haven't been initiating them to befriend death, taking them through their travels, taking them through the mindset. They're still doing it down there when the young people, the young brothers down in Australia have to do their um, walk out the outback, their walkabout. Send them out at 16. For six years, five years, six years, they must wander the walkabout before they come back in as men. We don't do that anymore. We don't get us to get contact and befriend death. My question is this, now that you say that, did... Um is it in our DNA instinctively to be attracted to those who are, you know, who, who are living on the edge, so to say, and who are embracing death? Because within our, within our makeup, you know, as youths, we want to we wanna go through those rites of passages. That's why these gangs and these, these, these other groups that are, you know, so-called seen as rebels in the eyes of those who are rebelling, they they tend to be they tend to draw in our youth more these days because you know they they feel like they could get their rights through there. Yes, well you know that's of course the destruction of the eldership, mm -hmm. the destruction of the eldership that would have passed the torch, passed the baton, passed the scepter down to the young men 
so that they could now create society. Men create societies, not women. Men create societies. Women flesh them out, like they talk about turning into a home. They have this thing where they, <laughs> I saw on this Facebook, I think somebody said it was unknown. It says uh, a woman could take anything and make it, uh, make it into a wonderful thing. You say, give her, mm-hmm. just give her some sperm and she'll give you a baby. You know, mm-hmm. give her a few, uh, what do you call it, and she'll give you a meal. You know, she'll turn anything into Well, that's what she is by nature. She is a converter. She is the alchemist. You it see? also said, give her, give her some shit. And she'll yeah, give yeah, yeah. Give her crap. And you see how much you give back. Right? She'll give you a ton of shit. <laughs> give you a ton of shit back, right? And that's true. That's the truth, yes, because that that's true. what they are. Just like you, that's exactly it. They are not initiators. They are incubators, and they are nurturers. So they don't start things. People wonder, well, why is the, why was the Americas so so peaceful before the European came? Well, we were at war with one another, fighting and killing and going through craziness. But it was it, it's natural. You have to look at this too scientifically. Whenever a society is first being established, it's the masculine principle that must make sure that they tame and quote unquote civilize the environment before the woman can actually bring forth children and nurture them. You can't be nurturing children in a battlefield and a warfare, a war zone. The men pacify the environment, establish the society, give the materials for the woman to build a house into a home. Okay? Now, if you have a society that has been protected from all enemies, has been structured to build itself from inside out after the men have established the equilibrium of the, of the, of the environment, after a few dozen, 20, 30, 100 years, 200 years, it would be natural that a society established by men, pacified by men, an environment pacified by men, it is natural for the, uh, the, the uh, influence of the feminine principle to rise in that environment because that's what really happens. If you provide the environment for a woman to flourish, use her creativity to nurture, to bring forth life, to bring family together, to nurture, to bring the best out of it, the beauty of a civilization, that's automatically her whole, who she is will rise in stature and she will rise to great heights inside of it and she will be deified as a goddess because of what she does. And that's what we did. It wasn't women building them statues. We recognized who the woman was. It was men building these statues of the masculine and feminine principles, the gigantic dick that you see that become the steeple of the Christian temple, the gigantic house that you see, which is the yoni of the woman. They understood the balance between two things. They understood the force of nature, the creative force of nature. But to say that one ran it against the other, and, and we're looking at the end of days, please, my brothers and sisters, this is the end of days. There is nothing natural, normal, or in equilibrium over the last 150, 200 years, even 1,000 years. This is the end of days, which means everything is spiraling into disequilibrium and destruction. So nothing looks right. And to say that this needed and that needed without understanding the equilibrium, the science of equilibrium, mm-hmm. is ridiculous. And that, that feeds us even more. It feeds the animosity and it feeds the destructive principle even more. Wow. Do you, um, do you, 
subscribe to the uh, the information that's been put out by the brother Jose Aguales, the brother that wrote uh, The Mayan Factor in the book Time in the Technosphere, how he speaks of this artificial reality based on the calendar and the clock and the fact that people are actually dealing with artificial time, thus an artificial reality called mm-hmm. the technosphere, which they've termed the matrix. Most definitely. I'm addressing it in my book. I'm, I looked at Aguayas' book, and uh, I'm very much in tune with artificial time. Spoke about that for the last 25, 30 years, that we were living in a synthetic synchronicity, which is essentially right. nothing more than artificial time. Uh, I know for a fact that the language of the European created time. Understand that we did not have a watch where we looked at the skies, he looks at his hand and the watch. He created time. Mm-hmm. You see, we had a whole other synchronicity. The time was essentially based on the soul's development, not on a nine-to-five schedule. Right. The European has a fractal brain. His brain and his lens, based on his inability to process solar light energies and waves into consciousness, or at least to, uh, to synthesize the light codes, he sees things in fractals. His whole world is based upon a language, a hierarchical language. In other words, black versus white, good versus evil, uh, superior versus inferior. That's the way he has coded his reality. His whole reality is based upon superiority versus inferiority. He does not see a gray area because essentially his lack of melanin does not allow him to lack the kind of light code synthesizing to give him that variable empathetic feeling so he could see that. Now, of course, there are those who in their scientific mind have the ability to phase that way. But if you look at the way he even breaks down the ascension of spirituality, he does not deal with first-hand spirituality. Black people are first-hand spiritual experiencers. The white man is a second-hand experiential spirit, a spiritual experiencer. He sees it and then articulates it and describes it. Listen carefully, family. The white man describes spirituality in all of his works, but he does not define it. The definition of spirituality comes from within. The definition of spirituality is how we interface with the sounds of nature, how we interface with language, what our language was based on. It didn't have the same constraints, the fractal constraints that created the time frame reference in his mind. Our time frames were in soul and was in synchronicity with the cosmos. His was completely out of touch with the cosmos because all the information that the cosmos would give to you to keep you in sync did not get through to him. So, you remember, even his own masters, Freud, Hegel, all of these, we're thinking like Germans think. Nordic, Germanic, Hyperborean uh, Icemen. Our reality is based upon hyperborean consciousness and how their lens into the world was formulated in their sciences, in their religion, in their society. Everything is based upon his 
languaging system, which is how he fractalized the world into these little pulses that we call time. Mm. Right. And I was just having a conversation yesterday with a brother. It's very interesting that you said that about our perceptions being linked to our language and our inability to perceive based on this very limited, uh, you know, tongue that we have based on the quote-unquote English language. Um, Modern. You know, yes. Uh, and, you know, brothers like A.A. Rashid brought along the aspects of the Hebrew you know, which has personally allowed me to delve into the underpinnings of quote-unquote language by mm. dealing with a more three-dimensional approach. I have a whole different concept of reality. Exactly. And it has definitely transfigured the way that I relate with reality based on me being able to attach a different definition to it mm-hmm. and understanding that that definition is a whole lot older than I am in this particular physical incarnation, you know what I'm saying, I know that I extend way further than that, but it brings me back to a time where I understand that there is a quote-unquote devolution taking place because mm-hmm. they were a little more enhanced back then. Oh, and yeah. This being dealt, the cars that are being dealt right now are simplistic. They're pretty much dumbed down. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So I have to go inward. And that's another thing I want to say, you know, philosophizing and, and dealing with intellectualism and reading, all of that is, is cool and everything. But if we can't master meditation, if we can't go inward and extract these particular truths for ourselves, you know what I'm saying, if we can't master the art of breathing, all of this is not. Yeah. Because that's what it's going to come down to. Well, the more we participate in the emotionalism that he creates by him instigating things to keep your attention focused into the material. Remember, I told you that every time you are turning inward, paying him no more attention, getting into the, you know, finding the escape hatch out of here, he does something to get your attention. Mm-hmm. He kills one of your brothers or your sisters. He does something heinous enough to get you looking again at the outside world. I have said back in the days at my private classes that the black man and the black woman are already seated on a whole other reality and that those who were left behind were here to make sure that the new souls that were coming in would definitely have some kind of equilibrium or balance because the kind of pain and suffering that the new uh, root race is going to be feeling Somebody had to absorb all of that kind of heinousness, had to absorb all of the madness, all of the, what do you call it? Somebody had to stay here and make sure that this world didn't split apart because of what this devil was going to bring in. And we are the ones who stood back in order to make sure that uh, that this particular school, because this is where we are, and I know a lot of brothers who are there saying we don't want to hear none of this metaphysical bullshit about, oh, man, this devil wants this, he's living in Yeah, well, <clears throat> understand that there are other realities that you're only now coming to understand that he's not letting you know re- uh, is, exists, that we're trying to tell you exists, and that the physical body is temporary. And that what what it is, the idea and who you are, that never dies. That becomes part of the mental, uh, the the psycho-spiritual 
um, uh, what is that, thought stream or mind stream that people pull from every day, that they feed on a whole other reality that is being nurtured by us, by, by our ancestors who went before us. This is nothing new. So our time to revisit who we are is now so that we can make our leap. Now, if you want to stay here and make a better world based upon what you think you need, then you're going to have a conflagration that's going to bring us back to year zero because we're going back to the Stone Age based on that. Because this devil got weaponry and machinery that you just saw an example of when he hit when he when he hit Aiti with a, uh, a a seismic weapon. Can we do that? Yes, we can. Have we done it? Yes, we have. There are there are uh, there are documentations and chronicles of us going to nuclear war and acting the fool. This ain't nothing new for us. The white man believes that he's the quintessential of everything, that in the last 300, 200 years, 150 years, he's gone from uh, uh, knuckle-dragging in the caves of Europe, and now he is supersonic and up and out of space. And he wonders, wow, how is it that we did this and you black people couldn't do it? But more and more the evidence is showing that we did this, been there, done that. We got the T-shirt. In fact, we got it carved all over the walls. So this ain't nothing new for us, and why would we want to even go back to try to assume and pick up from where he is left off or where he is getting ready to come to? We don't need that. There's another tomorrow. There's a whole other reality that we can set our sights on and begin building towards. But it ain't got nothing to do with what this creature is giving to us, and we have to be able to pull out of this. Like you said, come on out of her. Right. The boards are lit up. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to pull some callers in. Before I do that, to uh, touch on a point that you're making, I want to read a quote that I got from the Wide magazine. There was an interview with the uh, European named Peter Thiel. Now, Peter Thiel is a billionaire who created PayPal. He was also the first investor in Facebook. So he got buccal cash, you know what I'm saying? But yet he's not pessimistic about the quote-unquote European's future. You know what I'm saying? So he has been putting his money into uh, space travel and things of that nature, artificial intelligence and all this and all that. But yet and still, he's still not optimistic. They call him the utopian pessimist. Now, this is what he says. He says, I think we have to make those things happen. He's talking about space exploration and artificial intelligence. We should be looking at technologies that might lead to really big breakthroughs as a starting point. Let's just go back to the science fiction novels of the 50s and 60s and try to run the past 40 years again. This is what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So even their weather modification programs is nothing new. Mm -hmm. These are things that were introduced into the public consciousness in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And now it's been materialized based on I don't know whether it's based on the, the mental consignment of the people that it was introduced to, whether through cartoon or, or, or comic book, you know what I'm saying, whether melanated folk made it real or what have you, or he's just tinkering with his toys. But he has to reach back in order to propel himself into the future. He knows the future don't exist for him. Mm -hmm. He has to convince you of this through his science fiction. Exactly. And his movie... In his movies, you have to also look at this, and I tell the brothers and sisters out there, 
If they want to know uh, part of the artwork and the world that was created in Avatar, they need to go back to Edgar Rice Burroughs' series of books called John Carter on Mars. Okay? Mm -hmm. Edgar Rice Burroughs, the dude that made Tarzan. Absolutely. He did a series people don't know about called John Carter on Mars. And there was a planet called Pellucida. There's another one. Look up Pellucida, P-E-L-U-C-I-D-A-R, I believe. But look up these because this is where he has been telling you about the future. He's been telling you about space travel. He's been giving you the story. He knows what time it is because he's been already, he's been in your archives. After conquest, he done took into, he dug into your archives. That's why he don't find you don't find no, I mean, he's got all the symbols of different animals from places where black people live. So he has lions up in England. There ain't no lions in England. He's got dragons up in England. There ain't no dragons in England. None of these creatures that he could find dug in the ice can he find anywhere else but places where black people live. So you have to understand that he is taking your information and he is... Um, monopolizing and, and capitalizing on all of your science and technology, the one that you gave up after he conquered. Absolutely. And with that, I want to bring in the first caller. Caller with the number starting with 718-506. You are now on Nota Ledge Radio. Peace. 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 Peace, Lord. Peace. Peace, Peace God. What's the science here? I'm just sitting here listening to the big homie go in. He's uh he's a inspiration. He's uh he's making me feel this is Rashid, this brother Rashid. He's making me recalibrate and making me feel like it's worth it. Cause sometimes after shit that got dumbed down so much, it make you feel like there ain't nothing else left to say. Cause don't nobody want to hear it. They they want a they want a Big Mac instead of the full meal. <laughs> right, but sure you're right. Beloved, beloved, the the uh, dialogue is excellent, and uh, both of you brothers, uh, I want to applaud the red and the blue pill. I like the direction you're going in. You're, I trust you. this Thank direction you, you're going in. This is what's up. This is what's needed. Uh, Reverend Valentine. Your your statement with Edgar Rice Burroughs. We are on the same frequency, and and. And twin, your uh, statement regarding the Wired magazine article is awesome, and this is what we are endeavoring to do. I, I, I suppose with our autonomous nation of arts and science, we want to embark on a science fiction trip into the future where we place ourselves there. And they they are not creating anything new. I, I, I'm delving further into Avatar. I'm finding that. The, female Natiri or the Netter, they're telling you to go to Egypt. I go to Egypt and she's actually, uh, some people are saying she's feline, but she actually has cow ears. She is Hathor. And yeah. she represents the end of the 10th cycle. So she comes in as Heru, the house of Horus, to embrace Horus in order to enable him to be equipped for the end age. This is represented numerically as 1 over 72. We're at the final juncture of what they call the Annus Magnus. Mm -hmm. So when you look at how the Temple of Hathor is situated, it's directly, she's looking directly at Abu Simbel, and that's where everyone used to go get married. 
So in Avatar, they're showing what the old Jewish credo of all their films has always been. It's been to amalgamate into the genus. Al Jolson's first film, The Cantor's Son, most famous film for Jews and American pictures, is the first film that introduces actual sound, right? This film, he has to decide, am I going to be a Jew like my father or am I going to be a part of the new world? And his, 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 uh, his gauge to get into the new world is he sings to his mother in the final parts of the movie. He decides to be a part of the new world and take on a Gentile wife, right, which is a non-Jew. But he sings, oh, mammy, oh, mammy. But when you look at his face, it's painted black. So uh, uh, the man from Mars, John Carter, he gets swept to Mars by by him mingling with some Indians who put him in a shamanistic ritual that sends him out of his body into another world. You see, there's nothing new under the sun. And then when you go to the temple of Hathor, those light bulbs that white folks have been trying to tell us is light bulbs is actually the apparatuses upon which the avatars were sent in and out of the world. Those ain't light bulbs. And the snakes in there don't represent light. They represent the photonic light inside of DNA, you see. And then those people who are supporting the lights are actually meditating, and their consciousness is within the DNA. So now this is the same story when we go to the Ashanika people in South Central America. They tell the same story, you know. So you, 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 set, up, you set another fire breath tonight. And thank you, thank you, uh, twins. I love the direction y'all going. Keep going in this direction, and we're going to redeem this whole situation, brush our shoulders off of that downstairs bum-ass shit that don't nobody care about. Feel me? Feel you. Real talk. Thank you, Peace, I'm out. Thank you very much. I got to get back brother. to work on Avatar Zan. Monsters balling 4.4 million light years away. I only got about 15 minutes left. I'm just editing the last final parts of this. It's going to be crazy. You heard? <laughs> yeah, James Cameron and them going to be mad at us. You heard? As they should be. Or, All right. Thank you, brother. Peace to the goddess. Peace to the children. Peace. Definitely. Thank you very much, brother. And I just want to say that the tree also is representative of uh, the same spiral, is representative of the life, the first DNA that was created. And it also is representative of where Osa or Ast or Asa was actually encased by Set. So with the destruction of the tree, with the moving of the tree, it supposedly freed Asa, who was supposed to have been taken up in this uh, in the body of this dude, who uh, mm-hmm. came along to become a husband, uh, of course. But uh, again, uh, the whole symbolism is in line, as uh, Brother Rashid says is in line with our mindset. He is trying to place himself inside of the story that was already written. He has no place to put in. He's editing as he's going along to give himself a structure, an anchor, a root in the reality that we created. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. I have um, another hand up in the queue. I'm going to tag the caller with the Eric Cole started nine five four six six one. Caller, you are now rocking with Notalized Radio. Peace. 
And um, Dr. Valentine is David, one of your um, students. I've talked to you many times over the phone. Peace. I have a few questions. I, like I've told you many times, I've always had questions for you, but um, I've never been able to really ask them. So uh, I just wanted to touch on, have some questions about some of the stuff that you touched on tonight that's been like kind of messing with me. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you talk about they a lot, they doing this to us, they doing that to us, oppressing. What it sounds like you're saying is oppressing us as black people. And I want to know who is they? Who are these people that are oppressing us? Uh, who are they? Uh, it's a mindset that has uh, centered itself in an upper elitist that has distanced and alienated themselves from us, even from a most, uh, the majority of white folks. Uh, they use white folks because that's who their family structure is. But there is an elitist group of European whites who are all over the planet at this time, and they are a hierarchy. And they have uh, taken on the task of managing the herd of humanity in accordance with energy manipulation. Remember, I spoke about earlier law, and I'm going to talk about the metaphysics of law. Law is the containment, the manipulation, and the redirection of energy. So when they have you behaving in a certain way, when they have you structured and thinking in a certain way, they are manipulating and managing energy. So when I start speaking about what law really represents to the management of the herd, humanity, You'll understand who they are, and they are essentially placed in a space where they set the law. And remember, they, they're, they're God, the beast. Aristocrally said, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. In other words, you create the law. So they, they live on that. There is no law other than what you structure as law. And there are certain parameters for the activation and utilization of law and it confines you. But law, in accordance with your divinity, was meant to be transcended. So if you live on the lowest, complete ignorant level, where you don't know, you become a slave to law, then they have you. But as you grow in self-consciousness, you find the doorways, the escape hatches. You find the black holes that take you from that level of law to a whole other level of law which then tra talks about transcendence. So the containment that you're in, the physical body, is under a certain law. But that which is you within has the ability to transcend the law of the body. And they're keeping you from understanding that inner law by putting you under a structure of behavior called law that they direct and manipulate in the form of energy. Well, the thing I, I hear what you're saying, and it, it really makes a lot of sense to me. But I, 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 it's, it's something inside of me. Like I was born in Christian religion. You know what I'm saying? I was born in the hood, where it's like a pimps, and you know it's real bad, man. And for some reason, I didn't go that route. So I know about this law, and I feel like this law is written inside of me. I already know the law. How can someone hide the law, disguise the law? When I am the law, they can disguise it by making sure that your behavior um, is uh, your behavior juxtaposes upon it. They get you with vaccinations. They get you with the food they put into your community. 
They get you with the education system that regulates your thinking. You can know all you can, and, and that feeling that you have in there can be redirected through your perception that was already pre-molded by them. So it can either come out as you coming out to be a serious criminal, as you coming out to being a scientist. It could be coming out as anything. It depends on who you are internally and what your karmic signatures have caused. See, you have inner um, resistance as well as outer resistance. The inner resistance is your karma that you bring with you, and that definitely causes you to find the tests to be made, to be triangulated to the tests you need to transcend. So you can, you can be trapped inside of those laws. You can know that the law is within you to break and to be remolded, but how do, you, how do you now say, okay, I know it's this, I know it's this, but what do I do with it? That's where someone comes to teach you how to direct that energy somewhere, and they're not teaching you yeah, that. I understand what you're saying by um, taking control of your focus, of your attention, and thereby controlling your mind. But uh, another question I wanted to ask you is, are they more powerful, powerful gods than we are? No. In the sense that they, the their intention is, is, is the so perception. powerful. That's part of the perception. That's part of the synchronicity, the synthetic or artificial synchronicity they gave to you. That's part of what you accepted. That's part of the agreement you co-signed to. Exactly. That's what I mean. You co-signed to it. But do you think that co-signment was before or after birth? Okay, Here on you this know, point. I just think... The, the the probability of what you're speaking about again, you're asking me to deal with the line and lineage that started at a particular point where your test began, and each person's test. I mean, remember, this is a school, as I said earlier, that this we are on a prison planet, and we are here to work out whatever that is that we need to work out personally to advance. Now, as far as it's yeah. before the womb or after the womb, I mean, you can answer that yourself. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, that's what I'm saying. Like I believe that I believe that I have the power to make my own choices, and one of the choices was to come here, and one of the choices was to come here and experience something for maybe some karmic reason from previous lives. How and that's did you another, come to that knowledge? How did you come to that knowledge that you knew you believed that you have that? How did you come to that? What what day you woke up and found that out? That I that I have karmic debt. No, what day you woke up that you believe that you have the power to transcend? I've known it ever since I was a child. Okay, then if you knew it as ever since you were a child, you already came with the signature for your own departure. You already had your ticket for your departure. I'm not talking about what you already know. I'm talking about the vast majority of people that you were consigned to. I understand. See? So you you have been assigned. You chose this particular path that you've taken. You chose the mother. You chose how you are going to work this particular section of your development out. And people are saying, well, no, that's not it. It's all happenstance. You come, you go, you live, you die, you eat shit, you fuck, you do whatever you want to do, and then you get out of here. And then what? You don't be anything. And then what happens? You get seated sometimes. Do you have any memories to carry on? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. No, see, this is, this is the disorder that they have structured for you. And this is what makes you stronger. You had to find your way back to this point so that you could even have self-realized. Exactly. Coming see? from the zero to the one. 
Exactly. But, and that's all there is. What, Zero and one. There are no other numbers. So is there a karmic debt that overall, besides me, because I don't believe think that I'm human, but besides me, is there a karmic debt that human, black humans, and when you say black, do you mean all melanated people or just the, the darker? Uh, well, I'm, the dark, I'm not even talking about humans. I'm talking about that which was created at the point where the creator began to self-realize. There was no distance to man. There was no beginning to man. I don't care what form, face, or phase, physical phase that we have taken on. This is nothing more than a transit. We are nothing but cosmic nomads. And we've taken on all kinds of shapes and sizes. We have been ethereal. We have been physical. We have been aquatic. We have been fire. As a matter of fact, there are entities living right now on the sun. That's a living planet that you're looking at right there with entities who are living and developing. In fact, they're on their way down to taking on physical form like we did because we were once fire creatures. We have taken on all shapes that the creator's mind that has issued the word. The word made flesh is the fire, air, water, and earth. We have taken on and consolidated all forms that higher consciousness can take on. So if you want to call yourself black today or you want to call yourself Nubian, African, that's fine. But that's a limitation if we're taking it from that perspective. Oh, yeah, we're, 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 we're the all. But I'm wondering is the, the black race as a whole, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to end it here. I have so many questions for you, Dr. Valentine. And you know I've been always wanting to ask you. I can never really um, get it out because I couldn't remember, but this time I wrote it down because these are the same questions I've had for years since I've been listening to your lectures on DVD and whatnot and on YouTube and so forth. I have never seen you in person. I heard that you came to my area, but I, I didn't know you were here and I missed you. But um, these questions are, you know, have been gathering over time. But I'm going to stop right here. But the only thing I wanted to ask you other than that was um, as, a, as the, the black race, no matter what, okay, I know that the soul doesn't have a race. The race, is, the, 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 the race is just a physical form. But this physical form, rather it be a white soul, black soul, which I don't even think the souls have colors. But, but if this physical form is something that has been chosen to something that needs to be oppressed on this planet, what, what, in what way? Because from what I understand from studying history on this planet, and especially with black peoples, is that our history is something that was magnificent at one time. And, you know, these Masons talking about 33 degrees. What about the 360 degrees? You know what I'm saying? So black people was much higher than that. You know what I'm saying? And from what I understand, the story I got is that they got a little piece of information, and then they used that to take the whole thing over. But how did, how did they master the masters when they only had a little piece of the information unless they had help? And that gets into the other, the other aliens and planets and all the conspiracy theories. But what I'm saying is how did we go from that high level, that high point where we were, and to this, to this great fall? Because this, this is a fall where black people don't even know who they are. They, they hate themselves for who they are. Understand, understand that all things are about a scale of development in consciousness before, and it's rising and it's falling. Now, let me take it to a deeper metaphysical perspective. Anything created has a beginning, an apex, and an ending. Okay? So I don't care how great the civilization was or how long it perpetuated itself. It will always reach a zenith and then fall because it is created of matter. And that deals and with magnetism. It is all matter. 
Anything that you're dealing with matter will have a time frame attached to it. Whenever you create anything in matter, you done stuck a clock on it. So know for, know for a fact that matter, though it's eternal, it is constantly changing. Though matter is, is, is as eternal as the creator because matter is the creator converted on itself. Matter is eternal, but it is ever-changing. It is ever-constantly experimenting with itself. It is constantly taking on different forms to learn. The Creator is a learning apparatus. The Creator, as I said, is perfection. And my son just, you know, he, he had to try to build with this, uh, the, this other uh, individual about how I broke down perfection. All is perfection, but then if perfection is a static thing, then perfection equals death. So how does perfection perpetuate itself? It falls out of itself, or it goes into itself and then creates a state of perfecting, which is a perpetual state of it constantly revising and retooling and redefining itself. So the perfection is the constant change and all the billions and trillions of infinite variables that perfection can take. And if there's no such thing as perfection, well, yes, there is such thing as perfection. What is perfect? Perfection is perfection. Understand that there is nothing that is perfect in our world and that the perfection is the rise and fall. It is the learning and the discarding of the, what you have learned. It is to become what you have learned, not to stay at what you have learned. It's like eating a meal. Do you eat a meal and then 10 years from now have that meal within you? No, you've defecated it, but what that meal did was to grow you, to help you perpetuate the cellular structure. Well, that's the same thing you do when you go from body to body, when you go from, from, from essence to essence. It is a constant movement. Within, within the dynamic that we call God. It is God knowing itself. Every time you experience, boom, something else turns on a light in mind of God. Now, do you say that I'm saying, hey, well, do we call ourselves God? Well, the Christians don't want you to call yourself God because then you take away the responsibility of you finding what you need to do in order to educate God. And how do you educate God? You educate yourself. Why is that? Because across the top of every comedic temple, what were the words that were written at the door? Know thyself. Know thyself. Why do they say that across all the temples? Why? Because when you know yourself, you know God. And guess what? When you know God, God knows you. Indeed. What about um, entropic forces? What does entropy play into this? Entropy just simply uh, opens the doorway to the new change, to the new definition. Entropy is simply a space where the collection of energy is now waiting for a redefinition. Entropy is a space that is created. That's the seed. That's the ovum. It is a place where energy stays in stasis, and it is waiting for the seed thought or the seed intention, the sperm of intention, to hit it and then make it into its potential. Mm. Dr. Phil, how, how important is it for the artisans and the creative ones amongst us to begin to get together or to begin to create projects that will take this information that you and the other master teachers have come along and bestowed upon us and begin to reinterpret it in the forms of art so it could be disseminated to the children, to everyone else who might not be mentally on the level that, you know, the, the family is. 
that's the most important thing about the artisan is it allows the the viewer or the person participating in the experience to transcend the boundaries of reality. Yes. Okay. The reality that we are confined in is is, is uh, you have to remember they they attacked art. They made sure that art did not define the people and that the people did not define themselves in their art anymore. What they did was very insidious. What they did was began to introduce these people who had what they call abstract art. They began to push abstract art as the new form of human expression. What does abstract art do? It just simply did with colors and put all kinds of weird things together for people to look at, but then the people were into all kinds of psychedelic drugs so they could be seeing anything. But what mm-hmm. art is supposed to do, it is supposed to allow the people to imagine through things that they could see. What artists do is take the mundane and then take what they see of the mundane and show the people what the mundane might look like from another perspective. Taking them out of what is the so-called reality based on the descriptions they've been given in language, in song, in their, in their, in their churches, and so forth, and then allowing that to elevate in colors, shapes, all defined and, con- and, and anchored in physical faces, uh, physical situations. Uh, they took away... Uh, the artwork of the black and brown peoples, the, the suffering. I remember back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, we used to have some incredible artists that used to be out there showing the, uh, the plight of the African peoples, the plight of the native peoples, the plight of just those who have been under the heel of white supremacy. And we used to identify with that. We had something that was broadcasting back to us in the form of images that was definitely keeping us locked in as well as uh, tuned in to what was really going on. What was our condition? What is that indefinable pain that I feel when I'm by myself or when some cop pulls me over? What's that indefinable thing that wants me to identify? And when I see that artwork, I begin to identify with that. Yes, that's what my heart was saying in the pictures and the anger in the beauty and the movement of lines. The art is there to make sure that we can go past the peripheral boundaries of the reality they structured for us and then imagine ourselves outside of that into a world. That's why all the new art forms that you're seeing has all of space and the, the, the art form of the human body and mind in space. This is where we're going. If we can imagine ourselves as that, then the reality will follow. So art is extremely important. It helps to define the path. In fact, art will be the segue into the tomorrow that I have been speaking about where I came from. You see, that new art, the new artist, the artist is who is going to take us off the treadmill of the tomorrow that this particular reality is headed for. But the tomorrow where we came from, the artwork that I'm seeing, the beauty in the artwork, the way, the sensitivity, the remembering, the majesty, all of that will be the segue. That will put us onto the path of the new tomorrow. So will you publicly uh, agree to be a part of this community of artists that we're putting together? Because, well, by all you know, means. We know that an artist myself. An artist yourself, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I would be more than happy. You know, I would. I would love to be a uh, part of that. I know. I'd like to see what the artists. I've been looking at the artistic community, uh, especially the brother that's been on Facebook. Um, brother Omar. 
Omar, yes. Brother Omar has been really revealing us. Uh, I mean, I want to give big props to that brother for actually keeping uh, that seed of consciousness alive in us, to us to go back and trip that little piece of the, of the DNA imprint of our peoples. He's been really uh, doing a magnificent job of that. Well, what if I told you that he would, that, that, that seed was basically um, watered and was awoken by the teachings of the master teachers that he came across. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. So we are all playing a part in the whole, uh, you know, 360 of, you know, adding on and, and, and influencing each other and whatnot. Even to my brothers out there in the rap game right now, they're changing the paradigm with the music that they're making due to the food that they've been, that they've been fed by the teachers. And then, and then, and then, the further research that they've been doing is unlocked certain spells that they were under, and now they're able to express themselves with powerful art. Yeah. So, like we opened Trupaz, up the show I, earlier. I wanted to. They've been. I think his brother's name is True Paz. I forgot the names there. I'm not in front of there, but they had some beautiful music that they had revealed me too, and they had some great, powerful kind of. I mean, uplifting. You know, telling us what it is and, and, and putting down the sciences and also uh, precise science uh, down there in Baltimore. I mean, it, it, I haven't heard any of the others, but those are the ones that I know who have been studying the sciences and putting it to lyric. And I've been very, very proud of them, definitely. Because as a youth, I watched uh, certain rap artists come along and create the future. I, I physically watched them create a, a reality Biggie Smalls, Jay-Z, I've, I watched them transform my whole community with words. You understand? So I know that if they could do it on that level, that it could be done on a level for us to, 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 to create a new future. You know what I'm saying? The new future that we want to create, we have to create it through the mental first and then through that pencil or whatever device that we use to bring it into reality because we're that powerful. You know what I'm saying? And the energy that we're rising up right now as a result of the global movement that we're building up is going to be the energy that we need to create our future. So the reason why we don't exist in these Caucasian movies is because they made the movies. You understand? It's not about them putting us in their movies. We have to start making our own movies and making it all black where they don't exist. So it'll be a war about, you know, which one is more relevant. You know what I'm saying? If that's the case. You know, if, if that's what it's gonna be, because you know, even 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 the even the the, uh, the mediums of you know the internet and things of that nature, like you said, until it falls out of the hands of the people, it's still in the people's hands right now. We have the DVD underground market. If they want to pull that away from us, we have different markets that we'll be able to express ourselves, and we can make short films and things of that nature. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. I think that it's time to get back into our artistic selves and start writing the future, creating the future as a whole. Well, you know what? You all are on the right track. I also want to give big ups to a grandmaster artist called Brother Matu. And um, a lot of people uh, don't know his work, but they've seen his work. He, somebody stole a book for his work and put it as the Malcolm X picture that became, I think it was in in Leo in, in, in Theo Huxtable's room, uh, mm-hmm. that the picture that they made a, uh, a print of, that was his work, uh, the wow. one with Malcolm with the pyramids in the back. And Brother Matu is also on Facebook, exceptional artist, one of the great ones, one of the true 
uh, Pataz, as I call them out there. Another one is Brother Mishindo, and he's out of North Carolina or South Carolina, and he was working for Marvel at one time. So a lot of the work that you see uh, on the toys, for Marvel toys, as well as some of the work that he did, the inking, um, he does some incredible work as well. Incredible, so incredible we have, Yes, and so we, we, have, we do have our Pataz, our priesthood of Pataz. And they're out, they're out there, and you know, if you know, when the Creator and when the ancestors deem it uh, uh, gives the chance for us to build the, the Commission Sciences Temple from the ground up, we definitely want these artisans, these patars, this priesthood of patars, uh, to grace us with their uh, with their gifts, definitely. No doubt. Uh, Blue Pill, get one more caller in because we got a few minutes remaining. Five minutes left, right? I am going to tag the caller with number starting with the um, 510 area code 827. You are now rocking with Nota Lex Radio. Peace. 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 Yeah, yeah, I don't really have too much to say. I just want to say it's, it's a definite um, blessing to be in the presence of brothers just spitting the knowledge, man, and uh we need to really get it out there a lot more, especially on the West Coast, because I'm residing out in the Bay Area. It's a lot of madness, a lot of confusion going on, and, the, and, and it's a big, and it's a lot of a lack of consciousness. And with, uh, excuse me, and with this being the mecca yes. of revolution in so many words, mm-hmm. I feel like we're in, we're in the position right now because there's so much energy with these youngsters out here, but it's a it's a lack of consciousness. My question to Dr. Phil is what can we do I specifically do to help my brothers out here in the Bay Area transfer that energy and in and, and into into um into, you know, consciousness, you know what I'm saying? Because the energy is out here hard, but it's it's misdirected. How can we redirect that? Well, you know, it's interesting that out there, it is the it is the seat of revolution. You're out there on Pacific time. You're on there in Lemurian time, and that energy itself is being directed against rather than for. And what happens is, if you don't give a person a sense of purpose, if they don't have a sense that they are greater than their circumstance, that they are gods, but not destroyer gods, not gods in competition with themselves. There has to be something that you instill. There has to be some place that they go to that they could find the divinity within themselves. And I thought that's a lot right now because I understand where, what the, the kind of energy, that creative energy, but that warrior energy that's over there on the West Coast, if you don't have anything to direct it towards, if you don't have it to give, a, give it a battle to win, then they will battle with themselves. So you have to find out, are they willing to do the battle for self-development? Because most of the time when you're a young man and you got all that testosterone, you want to express. You don't want to take time to develop impress. See, you don't understand impression. To impress that energy or how to convert that energy like they did through rites of passage. But you know what? I have to give props to the brothers who are all over this country in the gangs, because what is a gang? A gang is a society, albeit a society that essentially is a 
a, a parallel or contradiction to what societies really mean. But if you create conditions that cause young men to not be able to do what men are supposed to do, that is to establish societies, to be establish the, the, uh, the, the, the principles of science, of, of okay. the dynamics of civilization, you don't give them that job. Then they're going to turn it on one another, you see. So I don't, you, I don't want to cut they your created a society. I don't want to you cut see. your wisdom. We have uh, we're under a minute left for streaming mm-hmm. live. I want everybody that is not on the phone queue that wants to call in to continue listening to this call. The number is 347-637-2135. Please call in. We have a few seconds left. We will be streaming for another hour, but it will be uh, not the, the quote-unquote live stream. 347-637-2135. All right, so call in and um, definitely join us in this next powerful hour as we take it home. Please do continue, Elder. Yes, thank you. Uh, I want to thank everybody. Uh, we're at 11 o'clock. I want to thank everybody, and uh, since we're not live anymore, uh, just to put it down for the record, if they wish to help us, to help our brothers and sisters in Haiti, and I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to say this before, but if they do wish to help the brothers and sisters in Haiti, uh, please go up online to earthoutreach.com or earthoutreachinternational.com. That's earthoutreachinternational.com. And just hit the button and, and, and drop in $10 if you can, uh, or more if you got it like that. If you you know If you're out there on the street hustling and you got your crystal set up for Friday and all that, you know, drop that money that you would put into that bottle of crystal and drop it into Earth Outreach International because we're here doing the work, trying to help our brothers and sisters there. And then after we've established ourselves, uh, hopefully we will get it to a, a wider venue uh, to help brothers and sisters in different places, Somalia, all over, wherever there is a need uh, for human decency, for human kindness, for human empathy, uh, for human help. Uh, we're going to want to do that. And so your help helps us to grow and then our ability to help others grow. Um, I'm not sure where we were uh, as I was speaking. Oh, yes, I was speaking about the fact that the young brothers who are not allowed to become men uh, and to create and to sustain and to develop societies or create a society of their own, and that's what a gang is, a so-called gang or what the government, which is another gang, because that's what all this United States government is, or the Israeli government is, nothing but hoods and gangs and members, and they got their own gang, but they got bigger guns they're playing with. Mm-hmm. So what you're dealing with is uh, gangs are essentially men, <clears throat> young men, misdirected, not allowed to be part of the whole, uh, going out and creating a society. What do you have a society? You have a hierarchy. Uh, you have a sense of belonging. Um, you have a sense of duty. Uh, you have a sense of whatever it is, even though it's misdirected. Now, I'm not saying I'm condoning what they're doing, but it is still a pathological form of structuring a society. There is a hierarchy. There's reward and punishment. Uh, there is uh, food. There's money for those who take care of you. Um, everything is essentially when they say, well, are they going to raise the children up to become crips? Are they going to raise the children up to become bloods? Are you blood from birth? You blood from the mud, all that. Yeah, well, that's because in a tribe, ain't that what you do? If you want to raise someone to be Cherokee or you want to raise somebody to be Algonquin, that's exactly what you do. So I understand and overstand 
what the so-called gang is. It's essentially men, young men, building a society. What they could not do or were not allowed to do and develop the capacity to do, they do on their own. And that's why I give props to them for the endeavor, the kind of warriorship to do that. What I do not give props to them is the self-destructive behavior they have going on, whereas the enemy has again contained them within a structure of law, and as we talked about that in the beginning, contained them within a structure of law, and this law is based upon their self-destruction. Absolutely. Now, um, in regards to the law and, um, you know, us more dealing with jurisprudence and certain aspects of lawfulness versus legalities, have you been seeing the footage of the brothers from ALF that have been um, going to war in these courtrooms with these magistrates? No, I haven't. And um, if they're using... Uh, the proper venue to establish their um, jurisdiction, and they'll win every time. If they if they can move the statutory court in statutory legality terms, in other words, they cannot move the statutory court in their venue. They have to step into statutory court take it over, establish their superior venue, turn the flag in the other direction, and then give the the magistrate their orders that frees the magistrate from any kind of, um, of consequences for doing other than what he or she is supposed to do to maintain the illusion. You see then, yes, they'll win because they're moving the court and giving the magistrate the permission to do things that the magistrate would not do in an ordinary venue. But they have to give permission by making sure that the magistrate is given specific paperwork that exonerates him or her from any liabilities for following the venue that you have introduced. Well, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I would have to consult with the brothers to see, you know, I mean, outside mm-hmm. from what I can tell and what I've been through myself, uh, you know, I definitely see that there is a attempt being made to establish that the jurisdiction of the municipality doesn't override, you know, the uh, the assumed jurisdiction that they're making by standing on the treaty. And explaining right. that the corporate powers, you know what I'm saying, don't have any uh they don't have any interface with the status. But so yeah, that's the magistrate again, but the magistrate only works directly from statutory law. They can't work any other venue. And the problem and the mistake that a lot of Moors are making is that they're trying to move the magistrate to commit a crime. So every time they introduce paperwork without exonerating or or putting in pre-paperwork to allow the magistrate to be able to do what she does or he does, then they're forcing her or telling her that she has to commit a crime, and then he or she will come down on your ass and lock you up. 
Right. Um, as my brother can attest, when I went to war with them in 2000 slash 2001, and <laughs> I had the distinction of actually having one of my most explosive court cases on September 10th, 2001, mm-hmm. and my brother was there. He could attest it. You know, we ran a judge off the bench in that particular case as well. But mm-hmm. I had courts in uh, I had cases in two jurisdictions, and one of them, you know, the judges kept reclusing themselves because yeah. of said paperwork that they couldn't um, put themselves in certain uh, areas of liability, so they mm-hmm. just kept bouncing. But see, then, but but the case stayed open. The case can't close. He'll bounce off to not to not have to deal with the judgment or to make any decisions. They'll recuse themselves because you did not give them the ability to rule in your favor. So the case will always remain open and may come back later on to an IRS tax um, case because everything in court is IRS. Right. All the court. So, you got it down, though? Okay. I well, you have to make sure because there was, there was there's no, no, uh, there no closed cases, remember. Right. Not in not in statutory law. There are no closed cases. Okay. I have to look into that. You cannot close a case in statutory because you do not have the ability to make law. You do not have gold, therefore you cannot make law. Therefore there is no law that you can follow to open or close a case. All cases in that statutory law stay open and will remain open. They may defer by telling you case closed, but it's not really closed. It can always remain open. All of them remain open. Pretty much everything in statutory is adjournment. I will definitely have to look into that. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate, you know, the heads up. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's another thing as you know, people are moving into their Moorish identity and learning these particular tools to use to free oneself. You know what I'm saying? There seems to be so much different divergent information. And, uh, you know, I've attempted to make repeated attempts to centralize this information so people could be in possession of what works as opposed to what Mm -hmm. doesn't work through the trial and error. You know, we went through the years of getting beat up and getting the bumps and the bruises, but, you know, we still stand here unscathed. And a, a lot of people that are just now coming in, you know, my whole thing is I would recommend that a person go through that particular trial by error situation because, you know, you, you kind of have to get in them courts and see it for what it is rather than just reading it on paper. You know what I mean? But Most I def- I definitely wouldn't want to send anyone in there with a faulty sword. So, you know, there there needs to be something done in terms of forming some sort of Morris Council where we can at least have a conference and agree and concede to what works and what doesn't and put a cease and desist on teaching those things that don't work anymore. They might be outdated. You have to understand, too, that every time you catch up, they'll change it. Mm -hmm. And it all falls down, it all boils down 
to those numbers on your birth certificate and your Social Security, both the front and the back numbers. And if you have contracts that have you know, those adhesion contracts at the beginning, those will always keep you in statutory law until you have gotten your paperwork and gone through the whole system up to um, uh, out there in Europe um, in Bonn, uh, in Germany. Uh, sorry? The Dragon Court. Dragon Court, right. There are things that you're, you'd have to do <clears throat> to get yourself totally out of the system. Uh, really, you don't want to get yourself out of the system. What you want to do is get back the monies that was accrued on your name, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, that birth certificate has accrued right. an enormous oh, okay. amount of interest, and uh, there are ways for you to get that. But um, that's a very deep process where... Once you sit before the people, you know, they got, to what I understand, is guards sitting at the, uh, uh, you sit there, you present the, the paperwork that frees you so you can get into your exemption account. They got guards there that if you say the wrong thing, you got to have it, you know, you almost got to have a Masonic, a militaristic or military type of mentality that once you said the wrong thing, they'll take your ass away in a straitjacket. Mm -hmm. You ain't never heard of them. That's right. You know, and if you don't do it right, if you do it right, then they'll give you access to the hundred fifty, two hundred million dollars that you got as supposedly accrued as your interest. But you see, all those trillions of dollars that they took away—that was it. That—that—that that, that was the money. Yeah, that, that was all the interest accrued on your body, on your sweat, from your ancestors, ever since 1933, when they converted the gold by monetizing the gold. And put the gold, made the gold have a greater value than it did so that they could make that private money worth something. In fact, that's how they built the Industrial Revolution. They built the Industrial Revolution by making dollars or the gold worth twice as much as it was really worth so that they could actually monetize the dollars. And then they took all the gold away so that they could keep it. Uh, they, they, uh, they commodified, they, commodified, yeah. they created a, a false, quote-unquote, citizen. Mm -hmm. which is a corporate entity, commodified that with a bond and then traded exactly. the bond off the market. 9-11, they destroyed the bonds, the physical the physical bonds. Mm -hmm. So you have these numbers that would have been floating, blips on the screen, and then right. they showed you how they crashed that September 15th of right. last year when they started mm -hmm. melting down. But now they're telling you that they're not going to be able to even... But again, we have to go back on the gold standard in order for us to start the new millennium. If it isn't started from worth, then, you know, money ain't going to be worth nothing. I mean, look, a trillionaire, a trillionaire, what is it? I mean, that's just numbers on a, on a figure. You know, it's power, actually. When they give you these mm -hmm. perceptions of power, it's, that's what it is. It's about them manipulating your perception of power. It's a law. And again, it's the way that they manipulate the perception of law or the perception of reality that institutes the law that you live under, you know. So, you know, they, they, it all dovetails into how they use the monetary system as a circuit board in order to uh, to contain your creative ability to come out of the structure that they want you to operate in. And so by, by structuring your place in the society, they lock you down under a law, a law of, 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 of energy that they call currency, which they call money. They make sure they lock down your creativity so it does not threaten 
the parasitic elite or the upper elite who are creating the laws so that they can confine you. Uh, you know, I'm riding with uh, with Arguelles on this one. <laughs> Time in the technosphere, you know, uh, the challenge of the of, of 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 these days and times is the great battle that's ensuing between the technosphere and the biosphere slash newsphere and the currency exchange and, and you know all of that is cute. You know, even just like you read the article what they said about December twenty first, two thousand and twelve, I think that that's even linked to what he's saying. This thing can't continue past that. Cannot go into this new paradigm dealing with artificial time. Right. Bottom line. So I look forward to the day. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. When you're dealing with the technosphere and the biosphere, you gotta deal with the cosmosphere. And you gotta deal with the ethosphere. You gotta deal with the, the sphere of consciousness that that is what is actually holding the reality in place. See, um, they know that after we pass into that void, that human thought is going to be instantaneous creation makers. They, 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 human thought and reality is going to be, it's a brand new atmosphere where your thoughts, uh, you know, magnetize and, and, and appear almost instantaneously. Mm-hmm. So they have to structure your thoughts or to confine your thoughts or to get you so uh, completely, you know, ennerved, nervous, fearful that your thoughts don't operate to create that reality. And it, it actually does more. It, instead of creating, it's conforming, you see. So the, the, they, they want you to conform into the next time. So they're setting up the structures of fear, getting your consciousness into this Armageddon mentality, where they show you just this death and destruction on this mag—I mean, incredible level—so that they can just make sure that you know that there ain't nothing left. You don't have no hope. There's nothing there. There's nothing. Hello. Yes. Hello? Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought I heard something. Yeah. It could be from somebody's open line. Um, I got a question about uh, some previous work that you were building upon, and it's dealing with the Vatican. And I want to know what role does the Vatican play in science today, and what are they doing to disrupt the consciousness, the global consciousness? Well, they're essentially monitoring with their agents in all of the, all of the. I mean, they they run the the Pentagon. You know, they run the. Uh, the Russian government, they run the Chinese government, and they do have uh, an influence. Uh, they have agents working for them on all levels. <laughs> they are very powerful, and uh, they're very much in the scientific community. In fact, they created the um, the so-called scientific uh, thing called uh, Egyptology. That was a Vatican creation in order to act as a uh, filter and a censoring uh, apparatus Mm -hmm. to make sure that any information that is found must first pass through uh, this um, star chamber of uh, secrets so that they make sure that they can keep uh, the BS alive so that it doesn't mess around or or interfere with the paradigm structure that they have in place. Yes. So... 
they're in all of the sciences. They're in the education system. In fact, as I said, that all of the books that are coming from Western civilization must first be filtered through the Vatican libraries and censors. Mm-hmm. And then we get it, and they put in what they think is necessary. They stretch the imagination a little, but they keep you in that E equals MC square lockdown. And E equals MC square has not been the formula they've been using. Uh, for the last 25, 30 years, <clears throat> in fact. They've been using Oyibo's formula and very quietly mm-hmm. making you believe through all these other jackasses and, and these bastards who, uh, this uh, Nishio, uh, Nishio Kaku and this other jackass that's uh, over there uh, in Columbia University, all those bastards have been running interference and messing around with Oyibo's materials uh, and... Um, been making them believe that they're the ones that's been putting all this information out. Okay. Yeah. No doubt. Can you um briefly touch on Tulsa weapons that are being used? You spoke on that in the uh, art and science of hyperdimensional warfare, one of your classes. Oh, yeah. 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 The art and science of hyperdimensional warfare. I did that. Uh, Another one I did in Texas called Scalar Interferometry and the Future of Warfare. Uh, that that has, I don't think that has ever come out. But in there I spoke about uh, scalar interferometry long before it became, uh, what do you call it, there was a guy out there I, I'd seen, I forgot his name, he used to be ex, uh, he's ex-military, and he was ex-military mm-hmm. scientist. And he had put out information about scalar interferometry. But we had always been into Tesla a long time ago, a good friend of mine named Lester Loving, who used to make um, the pyramids that we wore on our heads all the time. He's still making them. Yeah, I, I just spoke to him the other day. Great, but great. Loving he's, back in, he's back in Brooklyn. Beautiful. Well, send him my love. I'll, Tell him that I'll I'm go. glad he's I'll, still in the body wanna, with us. I want to yeah. bring him on the show and expose yeah. him to the new family and the new audience. Yeah, it's, definitely. That water have, science, yes. Got to know him. You know, This one is the one who actually actually introduced us to Tesla back in the early, late. Uh, I was introduced to Tesla by um, uh, when I read about Tesla, but never really into what Tesla was about until I met Lester Loving. And he used to come to uh, our gatherings back in the mid-'80s, back around mm-hmm. 1984, 85. Back then we was kicking it live really deep. It was underground, I me mean, really underground. And it was Lester that was making the pyramids. He was setting up the structures, man. He was hook up your home, and, um, you know, it was Lester Loving that uh, tipped us to Tesla, and now we begin to know that Tesla was the one who actually created the telephone, uh, the radio, all of these things were all stolen from Tesla, uh, and um, he created uh, instruments that used the geomagnetic forces uh, and uh, the energies, thermal energy, as well as electromagnetic energies, uh, to do some incredible things. And uh, he has something called a Tesla coil that can actually ionize your whole room, your whole house, and actually act as a battery, just taking energy out of the air and converting it into electromagnetism. And he, he, he had a converter. He built one on Long Island that was going to be able to light all of the Americas. Uh, he was getting ready to put these towers up across the country. And, of course, J.P. Morgan, who had given him money, said, no, hell no. You ain't going to give this off for free. Mm-hmm. And uh, the power, light, and companies, he, of course, all great scientists, all great uh, thinkers 
always think about humanity. It's these bastards that uh, don't have any humanity that don't think about humanity, and they all about service to self. You see. So Tesla was a monster. He, of course, uh, was brought over here, the Nazis. Uh, that was George Bush and his Nazi clan. Uh, I did a lecture on all about Tesla and uh, who he was, who Bush was, and uh, the incredible uh, inventions that he had, uh, the way to be able to just stick a copper wire down with a receiver and make a phone call uh, to China or someplace over there and across the ocean. You could talk. Uh, he could pull energies and do things out of air. He almost he created an earthquake uh, downtown Manhattan, a mini seismic event. He showed that he could do that. And, of course, when he died, yeah, the FBI raided his uh, apartment with all of his plans. They killed him in his bed in his sleep, poisoned him, I believe, or strangled him, suffocated him, shot him. I forgot which one it was, suffocated. And uh, the guy who did the, the murder, you know, fessed up to that and told about all about George Bush, uh, and that George Bush was actually the one that they called, um, uh, what was it, uh, the, the, what's that little monkey that uh, that's out there, the cartoon monkey? Curious George. Curious George. Yeah, Curious George was actually about George Sr. And George Sr. used to be running around um, Tesla's laboratory stealing all these little things he could find because at the time George Sr. was working for Hitler. And Hitler had consigned him as a Hitler youth to get as much information as he can on Tesla and send it back to the German high authority. That's how they built the atomic bomb before they got to it. That's why they, they leveled uh, Dresden because they were trying to kill off everything and everybody in there that had that atomic bomb. And uh, after they got to Germany and stole the scientists and brought them over to make it, that's when they uh, uh, set the bomb in um, in uh, there. And it was Hitler who actually uh, made sure that everybody, that all of his high command was destroyed and killed. And then the Pope, Hitler's Pope, had him through the rat lines and uh, actually uh, ordained Hitler. And Hitler became a priest and was saying mass in South America before he came up into Maryland to live the rest of his life. And he lived to about 109 or 119 years of age. Hmm. Ooh, we need to do that flick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy indeed. Yes, sir. Hello? Yeah, we're right here. Know. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Um and and in regards to the Tesla technology, you know, there's been a very uh, as to whether Haiti was the work of heart or quote unquote, you know, the hand of God is a very highly debatable topic in the quote unquote conscious community, even outside of the quote unquote conscious community. Um, taking a further look at world events and recognizing the the, the pattern of earthquakes that we've experienced in the month of January alone, you know, a thousand in uh, Yellowstone Park from January 17th to February 1st alone, many along the, uh, the coastline all around the world, would it be fair to say that 
harp or weather modification weapons are behind all of these events? Are they interconnected in any way? Not all. Not all events are harp related. Harp has an ability to enhance uh, events. Uh, there are small events that can be turned into large events. Large events that can be turned into small events. Um, there are uh, uh, there are realities. Once you understand the grid patterns of the planet, and you understand the flow of the Gulf Stream, if you, when you understand the uh, the magnetic tides that ebb and flow around the planet, you know what to do in order to manipulate those tides. So you can create earthquakes, you can create hurricanes, you can create droughts because you understand the higher properties of what life is. And this is what it is I was trying to tell the brothers and sisters who are either Christian or the nationalist community that the weapons that they're using uh, are not in line with the weapons that they are availing against us. We're not preparing ourselves to counterforce or to counter uh to counteract or we are not creating a counterattack against those weapons that have the ability to dis, 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 debilitate us and to dysfunction us on the mental and psychological level as well as the physiological level. So in preparation for that just as those brothers and sisters over there in, in Vietnam or in the Congo and all those places that fight against superior weaponry, just as those brothers in Avatar fought against superior weaponry, the weaponry has a limit to the ability for it to sustain itself. There's but so many bombs you could blow up before you start destroying the very thing that you're trying to go after. You have to destroy and dysfunction the energy that gives them the energy to do what they're doing against you, and that is based upon your participation in their view of reality. Once you understand what it is and what it takes for this European, this upper echelon parasite, this very sophisticated savage, this hyperborean savage, who has sophisticated himself on the blood of the rest of the planet, gone and learned how to be a human, by interfacing with humans and killing them off and taking their places, this Hyperborean has come to a place where he has become very sophisticated with the knowledge that he has usurped. So how do you now battle against someone who uses you to finance his battle against you? Well, you have to destabilize the first the battery that you are. You are the energy that is the source of who he is and who he has become. You know uh, that there is something that you need because the need was created in you by him. Once you understand why you need what you need, why you need to be who you are, what you need to maintain why you are and who and who and, and what you are, and who you, why you are, and who you are, then you begin to start knowing the place where the energy lies that he uses and manipulates to take over your space, to utilize your energy against you. Of course, he uses fear. That's a number one energy, you mm -hmm. see. He uses manipulation, another form of energy. So when we learn that he is using all forms and tactics to first the physical pain, then legal fear, and then just overt shock and awe, which is another stepped-up version of the same version of uh, same uh, mod uh, model of fear, then you learn that it's a retraction of your attention 
of course, they'll be, they're killing you off by the millions anyway, so why not die causing his death, you see? You cause his death by you pulling that resuscitator that he has, which is his connection to your fear. You pull it by taking his, um, his uh, life support system, which is your attention. You have to learn that way to battle. Because it's your energy, just like in the Matrix when my boy turned that battery, he said to turn you into this. When Morpheus pulled that battery up, that's who you are. You are the energy source for this devil's Matrix. Mm. Once you pull the plug, which is your attention, your, your, your fear, uh, your need to interface and look at TV to be distracted, the drugs of uh, technology, like you said, the technosphere versus the biosphere, once you pull out of the drug of technology, which is his way of interfacing with the biosphere, remember, he cannot connect. That's what the avatar showed you. They took their hair, which is an extension of your kidneys, which is your ancestry, which is right to the head, and he plugs directly into life. We go directly into life. He can't do that because his melanin is an obstruction to that. So his way to interface to get empathy is to plug in through the artificial reality he's created, through the virtual reality. What the hell does that mean? What is virtual reality? We don't have a virtual reality. We speak about worlds that we stepped into. He has to create a virtual reality so that he could interface in a secondhand way to get that personal experience. So his, his whole experience is not on the soul level. It's on the sensual level. Because all his technology can do is give him a sensual experience. It can't give him a spiritual experience. I know. I mean, I totally, absolutely agree with you. Um, you know, my grandfather, bless his heart, he always told me that, um, he said, you want to deal on the death blow, turn your back to them. He said, put them on ice. He said, "Hell is," <laughs> he said, "Hell is not uh, a place of fire. It's, it's the Antarctic. It's a place of yeah. freezing. Like turn yeah. your back on them, and that'll yeah. kill them." So exactly. Very wise. Right, and I've tried it, and it definitely works. That's right. We create the but heat. You give them your energy. We create the heat. Mm-hmm. And I learned it in court, of all places, because mm-hmm. just like you said. They get confrontational. You know, my brother could attest to it. When you're up there giving them heat, then once they engage you and you're, you're in, in exchange with them, that's when the COs jump on you. But if you yeah. stick and move, mm-hmm. say what you got to say and hold your ground and just be quiet, they're baffled. Mm-hmm. They don't have that entry. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's the same with this. You know what I mean? That's why, again, my message to the family is get deep into your meditation. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I came across a book that showed me some techniques that I applied and, and saw instantaneous results. Instantaneous. So you have to go within and block, you know, everything is outward out. Send it, you know, return it to sender. Yeah. If you don't want it, don't sign for it. Keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're right. Yes, indeed. Anybody, anybody on? I think everyone got knocked off. Um, 
we're we're on. Dale has to get in the archives. The uh, the switchboard shut down. Mm-hmm. So you know, we've uh we've definitely gave them a uh, mm-hmm. a thorough serving of information. The plate is full. <laughs> you know, if, if, if there's nothing else that we want to share with the family at this particular time, you know, we can um, give them the closer and wrap things up. Oh well, yeah, I think we've given them a big meal. I, I don't know um, yeah, yeah. how you brothers feel, you know? Oh no, nah, there's a lot on the plate, and um, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't ever want to overdo it. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I like putting the cap where it belongs, and they can definitely digest and dissect that. What I, yeah. what I do want to propose that when I do bring the brother Lester Loving on, I would love if, you know, you could call in. And just inform the community about the brother and his great works. Oh, by all means, I was happy. I, I, just let me always, know. I'm yeah. going on a decade knowing that brother. Yeah. I feel privileged to be among, yeah. you know what I'm saying, my generation to have known this brother. I've been telling many people about his works. He was mm-hmm. so ahead of his time. Big and, time. Uh, you know, I can't even rest right until he's properly acknowledged. And mm-hmm. the the science that he has brought forth is utilized in our community because he had all of these great ideas about ionizing entire neighborhoods. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A change in the frequency, and that's what we need right now. Yeah. And we have to take a scientific approach to this. Most definitely. You know, yeah. let all the other hotheads deal with whatever they want to deal with. That ain't got nothing to do with us. Let's deal with this scientifically. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Brother definitely has the science that is needed, and water will be the commodity of all commodities in the very, very, very near future. Oh, big time. I spoke about blue gold in one of my lectures, uh, if you remember. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what uh, Iraq was about, too, because they had an ocean of blue gold. Aqueducts, right. Yeah. Yeah. They had aqueducts. Mm -hmm. Big time. And they're going to need that. You see, that's that's that machinery. That's that ridiculous machinery. And, uh, again, we go back to the patriarchal matriarchal, that uh, we have a matriarchal using the patriarchal energy <coughs> to enforce the because, uh, again, the part that I didn't really emphasize is that when you deal with a matriarchal and you're dealing with matter, you're dealing with matter. Matter and matter are the same. Matter is mother. Mother is matter. So when you got a materialistic society and you know that Western society is materialistic because, God damn, if there's nothing else, we are some materialistic sons of bitches, daughters of bitches. You know what I'm saying? So if we are materialistic in our mentality, and we are definitely not spiritual scientific society, if we are a materialistic society, then what the hell is the energy that's motivating it? Understand that materialism is a mater situation, which is a feminine situation. And if you can tell me who's doing most of the shopping on this planet, who's doing most of the buying, who's doing the most of the, the, the quaffing and fitting and fitting about what they look like and what they don't look like, it's all women. So we are in a matriarchal society. Homosexuals. Yeah, um. look at the homosexuals. We are in a matriarchal society. And we are looking at it being forced and reinforced by the patri- by masculine principle, which thinks it looks like one. And then you yeah. had this dumbass jackass, uh, what's her name, Beyonce, coming up there at the music awards, 
with these goose stepping NWO with martial law. She wants the martial law. Yeah, then she grabs her crotch. If she was a boy. If she was a boy, and she goes. If I was a boy. Yeah, and then she grabs her dick. Mm hmm. You know? What what I try to use to explain to people is the quote unquote Hollywood paradigm. And I explained to them what I noticed, started noticing since last year, is that all of their films are dealing with the solar ritual, you know what I'm saying, which signals a quote-unquote return to patriarch because they're dealing with the, with yeah. the austerian tale. They're dealing what with we life. were dealing with prior to that was the matriarchs dealing with the matrix era. And, you know, they were dealing with the, these yeah. matriarchal stories. But everything now is reassuring the son and the father savior story. So that's that's the Because we have to be redeemed from this post. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have to redeem ourselves from this crap. They're looking for the son of the uh, to come through. They already got their new remember they already put the creator in place. I'm telling you in two thousand and twelve that bastard Andrew is gonna turn thirty three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah they're going See? in. Yeah. And then he's going in and they grooming his ass. You gonna see more of him when 2010 and 11 come in. I, I saw a video with him buck dancing at some Holly, at some Haiti fundraiser in the yeah. Bahamas. Yeah, he knows where he got to go for power. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But he got I, down since, there doing some yeah. sacrifices. You got to do some sacrifices. Yeah, since you touched on that, I actually saw. I've been seeing the Europeans on YouTube going in on that as well, showing sure. 2012 Olympics spells out Zion. Yeah. They actually yeah. clipped one of them. They killed the white boy that was uh that was exposing them. What's yeah, his name? I know. Rick something. Yeah, I forgot his name. Rick Rick yeah. um Yeah, yeah, they took him up out of here. Yeah, get his yeah, you know. they wanted to hurry up and get him out of there. Because he was telling real, the dude. Real quick before we do get off and um this is a special for the archive, I'm gonna make sure that people check out for this one. My brother was telling me about you had uh an interpretation as well. For the Super Bowl, for the Super Bowl ritual that's is finna to take place this weekend, and a different interpretation on the cult. Yeah, um, that essentially the when you're looking at the the saints, and again, I uh, just want to tell the family that all of the teams, the professional teams, essentially adhere to a Vaticanized format. So all of the teams have. Vatican terminologies and Catholic terminologies, like this, the angels, the um, look at all the names of them, the saints. Um, uh, what is the other ones? Uh, the giants, which essentially are the titans, another form of the giants. Uh, the titans, um, which essentially is Greek mythology, again. Um, what's the other ones? Uh, the padres. Uh, which right. is another word for father or for for the Catholics. Right. Um, so you you look down uh, the, the baseball, huh? Cardinals. Cardinals, exactly. Right. Look down all of the baseball. Look down basketball with the Wizards. Um, with um, what's the other one? Um, not the Lakers. Uh, what's the name of these other ones here? The the Suns, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, bulls. Look, the, the, the bulls, exactly. That's exactly. Yeah, when you're dealing with papal bulls, uh, all of these names have to do essentially with 
uh, Catholics, all going back into this ritualizing. And what I wanted to let people know about, and this is very shortly, uh, that as we go through 2012 and we end into, or we, we enter right at the, at the point where there's a convergence of energies between Scorpio and, and Sagittarius, the emerging, the planet or the, the star system and constellation that we will be seeing is the star constellation Pegasus. And Pegasus is the, the horse, mm-hmm. uh, the, the winged horse, the one that Perseus uh, rode or uh, aimed. Right. And if you know Perseus, Perseus is uh, the, the same one that acted as the garden. I'm going to do this in my book also. I'm going to break down the astrological significance of the Garden of Eden as well as the cellular significance, but I'll also tell you about the Christmas when you see with the Virgin Mary and uh, the sign of uh, Virgo, uh, Perseus, and so forth. Well, the sign of, of Pegasus, the star system Pegasus, comes into prominence uh, in 2012 as well, and you'll see in uh, Sade's video that she's on a horse. Now, what would she have to do with, on a horse? And she's in sequence. The horse has no bear. Uh, essentially, the horse in everything that you're looking at will be representative of the star system Pegasus, and I'm going to break that down at another time. But you'll also see Pegasus in the new upcoming Clash of the Titans, and Pegasus right. is going to, yeah, that's going to be uh, prominent. That whole story is the story of the stars and our Earth's transition through the stars and uh, the the trials of Perseus and what he has to go through with Zeus and uh, and uh, Medusa and all of them, all of that is nothing more than the story of our Earth transiting through the influences of the different star systems, the different constellations. Right. So and I believe that the cult is also representative of that Pegasus energy and that the saints themselves are those, of course, elevated beings, uh, the saints themselves. Uh, and if you notice, it's the saints, but if you were to... Um, abbreviate New Orleans. What do you got? N O. Yeah. What is N O? No. Yeah. No. N-O. Yeah. No saints. You have to no. over. <laughs> no saints. You have to look at the fact that right. we are not. We they they are they are taking away anyone that has anything to do with the reality coming in to show us the true way for in the reality they are definitely going to do a ritual to make sure that that energy does not become as strong. And I bet you, who's going to be the one? They're going to have some kind of shit. Now, here's the other part of it. Because remember I told you that Aquarius is not only the sign of the water bearer, but it's also the sign of the homosexual. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is the blending of the masculine and feminine for equilibrium, but it is also the extroversion of pedophilia, because you're going to see it between the next two years, Everybody's going to be outed for some form of pedophilia or some kind of child sexual uh, misconduct. And that's like going to be. Seeing in Haiti. Right. Exactly what you're seeing in Haiti. The child is going to become the victim now. There's going to be a lot of child sacrifices, which is what they're trying to do now. They've been taking the bodies from Haiti, the young children, taking their organs, and then dumping the bodies back into different parts of Haiti as if they were destroyed by the. Um, uh, the, the mm-hmm. uh, so this is the game going on. But the Colts. I think I like your, what you said about the cults. Those are definitely, uh, that's definitely something that we should actually think about. But I believe that the cults themselves, more than anything else, um, represents Pegasus. 
and the saints themselves represent those who are the ones who can see and read and are empathetic to the stars and what the stars say. And this, the, the, what essentially has got to be said at this point is that in this Super Bowl or this place where all things happen, this bowl, remember a bowl, <laughs> you're looking for the chalice, you're looking for the, um, uh, for the Holy Grail. The Grail is actually a bowl. It's a place, uh, uh, something that uh, they've been looking for. All of this is all going to be part of it, and in that you're going to be seeing in a commercial coming out a whole new, uh, 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 what do you call that, a dating uh, site for you to go up on, and it's about gay men. And they're going oh, to yeah, have two, yeah. Right, they're gonna have That's two gay men sucking face. Right, they're gonna have two gay men sucking face on uh, in front of 21 million people uh, mm-hmm. to verify that the Ganymede energy, as I spoke about earlier, the energy about Ganymede being the gay energy, the cup, the chalice, the bowl, uh, all of that is going to be representative of what the Super Bowl ritual is going to be. I haven't seen the ritual, so I haven't been able to. To, I won't be able to do that until do a, a final assessment on it. But in my right. preliminary assessment of that, uh, I believe that the whole thing is going to be around Perseus and uh, the the whole story of Perseus's trials uh, in the Clash of the Titans. Essentially, the, one of the names of the football games and uh, one of the names of the football teams, by the way. And um, yeah. right, and then we, we're looking at. Uh, the white horse for Sade, and she just comes out of nowhere at this particular time to uh, to entrench that. She's got the number one. She ain't even got an album out yet, and she, she's number one. Um, and uh, so I believe everything is the ritual, and they're playing out the ritual, as you said, Red Pill. Uh, was it Red Pill or Blue Pill telling me that? And I believe yeah. that, yeah, I think that uh, you're on point. You should follow through with the cult I'm situation. A, I'm going to go a little bit further for you, right? Like I said, I started getting my cue in terms of them showing the changing of ages based on when I started looking at their movies this year. first movie that gave me the cue was Terminator Salvation. Okay, when I saw Marcus Wright, played by Sam Worthington, who not only played Jake Sully in The Avatar, but is also Perseus in Clash of the Titans. Right. When I saw him enact the ritual of becoming the Avatar in... Terminator because he was the cyborg fronting as a human. So he was the, he he went into he reversed his roles right. in Terminator, you know what I'm saying? And he mm-hmm. is he was what? The avatar who supposedly saved the savior. Because right. he saved J C. He saved John Connor. Yes he did. Saved his son. You know right. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So then I read the article and it said Cameron Cameron reached back and suggested he stopped. They was filming Avatar. He sent him to do Terminator while they was right. filming Avatar right. to ritualize right. and get that energy together for him ultimately to play Perseus, of which he right. plays another Avatar who is half man and half God. So he That's has right. three Avatar roles going in. Of course, they just might clip him after that because they have yeah, this Definitely he may die right yeah. after that. Like yeah, it's about have, what? Heath Ledger. Right. After they they so many Ledger after the homosexual role. Right. 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 After the homosexual role and then after Batman. Mm-hmm. And after right. first Arnesis. Yeah, his latest film is, is crazy. You have to see that. And we yeah. also 
also got to remember that he played in the order of which he played the Hanging Man. You know, that's right. You're right. So they they have these these templates. They build the energy up in these particular people, and they explode them like supernovas, of which they extract their their energy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I looked into Terminator, and I'm like, you know, why today? Come to find out, it came out on Biggie Small's birthday. Interesting. And as I explained to the family, Biggie Smalls was a sacrificial Christ figure. Christopher Wallace, Christopher Wallace. Right. You know what I'm saying? His exit was actually on March 9th, which was a solar eclipse, new moon. Haley Bob Comet passed that night as well. So a whole lot of celestial things went on with that particular sacrifice. And I, I recognize that um, they conducted what I refer to as a three-king ritual with him last year, January January 16th, no, January 15th was uh, Martin Luther King's birthday, right, who came in with the I Have a Dream, also executed on 4-4. Biggie Small's movie came out on January 16th, right, Notorious, first biopic about a quote-unquote rapper who is the king of New York, which is a title that transcends hip-hop, right, Right. king of Empire State who is famous for his kicking the door, waving the 4-4 references. Right. Also, is a Gemini governed by a deity named Gael, whose number's 44, right? Interesting. He came into hip-hop with, it was all a dream. That's right. That's poet, 120, first day of Aquarius, right? Will I Am ushers, it's a new day. Will I Am represents Pisces. So he's telling you it's a new day. They bring in the Leo, King, Barack Hussein Obama, king. So you have right. the king of the kings. Right. Brought in. The dream is fulfilled. 44th president. So there you have your 444. And the 44th. And the 44th. Um, the 44th Super Bowl. Super Bowl, right. It's, it's played up. So all of this is linked and coinciding. But you got to remember, it's too, it's eight. It's all eight. It's all eight. Remember, the triple eight is the Christ energy. Of course. So 44 is an eight. And fourth, 44, the three times you saw 44, you said the 44th birth, 44th president, you got to look for the other 44. So the triple eight is the No, 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 the, four, the 44 is Martin Luther King, uh, right. Biggie Smalls, and, right. and Barack Hussein Obama, and their connection is Jay-Z, who is, you know, he was he was married on 44, 40, is the club. Right. You understand? So right. he is the 44 figure. And the way that he connects to this as being his name, Jay-Z, Kabbalistically equals 372, which equals Scorpio, right? And he's a Sagittarius. He embodies ah. the ritual. He, he, as a melanated being, is being used as the maw on the front of the ship to make first contact because he glides with consciousness because as him sitting on the top of hip-hop, Hip hop equals four hundred and thirty two, which equals the um Polaris. So hip hop is the North Star in a fixed point. And within hip hop, because at the percent of the equinox, then the uh, North Star is supposed to change, it's supposed to be the flipping of the poles. So the North Star Polaris will no longer be the guiding light. Right. It's gonna shift you outward. Go let me go back to that part where you talked about Sagittarius. And he being a Scorpio, check. No, no, no. His he's a Sagittarius, but his name Jay Z equals Scorpio. 
there you go. Well, so then there's a connection. He's a Sagittarius. And mm-hmm. his name, Jay-Z? Is it Jay-Z? Yes, Jay-Z. Right. His name is equal, Sag- is equal Scorpio. Then you have to understand that that's the, that's the juncture that the Earth will be passing in at 2012. Mm-hmm. Queen that's, this is what I'm acknowledging. Not only am I saying that I acknowledge that it's the juncture, I'm trying to explain why he's being used as the 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 alpha, the quote unquote alpha male of this paradigm to lead global consciousness into that particular juncture because he embodies the ritual. Being right, that but again, he is. Yeah, I no no doubt I'm, I'm I'm on you, but I'm trying to figure out based upon what it is that he has done. What is it that they're trying to use him to influence the people about? He would be something that they use as just, like you said, an energy. But what is there about the movie that he puts out, that is put out there, that actually does anything to shift the paradigm? Or is he just being simply used as an energy? Yeah. He's Peter Piper. Whether he he tells them... 2012 is what we need to be focused on, or whether he will be responsible for the the furtherance of the shutdown. But with him going occult at this particular time, you know what I'm saying, I see it as a gift and a curse because by by default, just by people looking into the nature of whether he's a mason or not, they're going to bump into 2012. They're going to bump into the occult. They're going to bump into certain things that's going to prepare them. Other people will be spooked and, and you know what I'm saying run from it yeah well I'll tell you but, what you know as I'm saying Beyonce being utilized and I'm understanding his utilization um they're you know they're key to the design because the elite understand that you know if we don't have to control a million let's just control one that controls millions oh yeah you already see what she's doing Piper. with it they become the Pied Piper and like I said, all of those NW hoes, all of them, mm-hmm. Beyonce, um, what's the other one? Uh, uh, Lady Gaga. Gaga. Yeah, there's about six, six or seven oh, of them out a there. number in Kabbalah equals 44-2. Yeah, just all right. Well, I'm just saying that all these NW hoes are right. there as ritual, ritual outlets. And they're the ones that um, have to take on the altars, get fucked, uh, create uh, realities on the other realm so that they become realities on this realm. All of it is ritual. And Jay-Z, I, I'll tell you the truth, he's being used. I mean, money makes, and this is why I was saying what law is. Law is your ability to manipulate perception and create behavioral dynamics and by behavioral paradigms into which people will fit. And this is exactly what they're doing. They're manipulating the laws that they create in order to create the paradigm that they want us to fit in. And they will always use Pied Pipers in order to do that because they know the mass mind essentially is addicted to the next rush. They need the rush. They need to see somebody that they can project their wishes and hopes on and try to be like. So you will become the scapegoat, the walking scapegoat that everybody will either... And it's a reverse of the scapegoat. It's the same scapegoat mentality uh, that you blame somebody else for your shit. But you could also reverse that field of polarity and project what I would want to be in myself onto somebody else. 
So no matter what it is, if you're the worst of the worst and you look good doing it, the people will still follow you. And that's how they built that perception. That's why the underground is going to be so dangerous for that and why they're going to be coming after us next. Trust me. Yeah, well, you know, take yeah. that with a grain of salt. But um, that's exactly what we're seeing right now in uh in reality and entertainment is exactly what you said. So on that note, I tell you, it's fifty nine. So we getting ready to go into the sixty, which makes it twelve o'clock, brothers. It's always been righteous, and I'm I'm loving what it is. I'm a little tired because staying up with you guys, I'm starting to get marble mouth. <laughs> But, um, yeah, we're gonna wrap it up. Um, okay. I definitely Listen, me, appreciate. Yeah, let me just say this, uh, brothers, before yeah. you shut down. Um, please try to promote to the brothers and sisters to go to EarthOutreachInternational.org. That's EarthOutreachInternational.org, okay. and uh, if I said com, but it's not. It's org. Earth International. EarthOutreachInternational.org, and. Try to you know you know impress upon the brothers and sisters in your circles to uh, please go up there and just drop in something so that we can.